Welcome to the Fighter Die Podcast. This is your host, Adam Howarth. Today, I am joined by co-host Brandon Simmons, and our guest for this episode is John Matter, uh, a very cool guy up here in Wisconsin that did 16 years in the Marine Corps, has been shot probably as much as 50 cent, has a bunch of professional MMA fights under his belt, uh, big into that sport. I think at least 40, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that. And then runs a very successful uh, training company these days, these days uh, doing tactical training and, and, and helping keep the folks who are still in the fight in the fight. Uh, so welcome, John. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, so I said uh, in, in our intro here, you know, shot more than 50 cent, but how many times have you been shot again? I, I've been, I've been shot nine times and actually I, I know, I, I, my brother was talking about that one time and a, and a kid at a bar said, Oh, that ain't shit. 50 cents been shot more than that. So that's, uh, that's, that's not the first time I've heard of 50 cents uh, reference. So yeah. So nine times over, uh, you know, over about 10 years of back and forth between Iraq and Afghanistan and, uh, three purple hearts. I'm not mistaken. 50 cents actually been shot nine times. That was his thing. So or even you're tied. And I don't think that's a record you should try and beat. I think nine I'm, not, just I'm, not breaking I'm not breaking about that. <laughs> What guy at a bar is standing across from an MMA dude, former Marine sniper who's been, who's beaten some ass nice. and wants to, who wants to go, uh, 50, 50 cents better. Like that's not going to start a fight. No, I was really didn't. I said, yes, sir. You were correct. And I just walked away. That's, that, I don't want no part of that kid. See, that's how you know that you really don't want to fuck with that guy. <laughs> when they don't talk shit back immediately, you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to take this as a win. I'm going to walk right. away now. Right now, I think the it's like the librarian thing when you're when you're dating. It's almost like the nicest dude in the room is probably the most dangerous guy in the room. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, that that's that's usually that's usually the the right thing. You know, the guys out there running his mouth and, and telling people how tough he is is doing it for a reason, and it's usually because he's not very tough. You know, so it, yep. no, it's easier to go the opposite way and kind of be quiet and humble and you know try not to get your teeth back out of your face. So, with your guys as a trading company do you deal with guys who like you almost have to remind that they have to learn how to keep their mouth shut? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of, um, we, we work with a lot of police, we work with a lot of foreign military. Uh, we, we help develop, um, counterterrorism, uh, SOP, uh, SWAT SOP. And then we do, uh, civilian shooting courses and 99% of these civilians are, are awesome people. A lot of them are prior, well, prior military and a lot of them are just, you know, they, 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 spend money on a gun. So they said, Hey, let's, let's figure out how to, or it, it's worth me. It's worth for me to spend a few bucks on learning how to use it properly. You know? And I talk a lot about, um, you know, the mindset you have to be in, in order to defend yourself properly, defend your home properly. And, uh, but every once in a while you get a, get a goofball that you got to say, Hey, that, you know, what are you here for? You know, like I've had people ask me, well, how do you skip bullets underneath a car? And I said, well, what, what, what do you need this information for? First of all, I have no idea how to do that. You know, if it's, if it's a, if, if, if someone has that knowledge, he's a better, he's a better operator than I was, but you know, but that, that's, it's few and far between for the most part, these guys, you know, they want to spend a few thousand bucks on, on a weapon system and some body armor or, 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 you know, a security, you know, security camera for their home. And they want to be able to, to use that, you know, to, to, to their best ability. So, you know, the vast majority of people are, are good people. They're what's wife get a goofball that he wants to say that he's a gunfighter, you know? How, how, how has the training changed, uh, like post 9 11? Like, I, I can only imagine, like, you know, the military is churning out a lot of warfighters these days. And some, some dudes like yourself, 16 years, you've, you've put yourself through the motions, you know, like his, you know, what's your feeling on over the past couple of decades? How has that changed 
you know, tactical training. Well, I, 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 the, the biggest thing these wars have done is, is, is taught our military instructors how to be better instructors and our civilian instructors and our military instructors how to be, how to be real world instructors. You know, even when I came in and probably when you came in, you know, there, there wasn't many combat hardened instructors saying, this is what I did in, in, in during this, you know, specific you know, event. And, you know, even when I went through cyber school, I was young and, and, you know, most of the instructors didn't have any cyber experience. At the end of my career, after I got injured, I became a cyber instructor. I was, I was actually a chief instructor at cyber school. And, uh, you know, I got to sit these kids out and say, this is, this was my mental preparation. This is how I physically went about doing these very specific tasks. This is what I thought. This is what I felt. This is, this is the emotions you'll go through. This is, you know, this is the preparation you have to do in order to get A, B, and C done. And it made me a much better instructor. And, and then, then going into, you know, the police training stuff, you know, very few police officers, thank, thankfully, have been, have been in firefights. So when I instruct them, I'm going to say, hey, this is what your emotional state's going to be during a firefight. You know, so if you train at, at a certain level, I promise you, you'll operate at a lesser level, you know. And, and I say, not because a book told me, not because, you know, uh, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman wrote in a book, because dumbass John Matter says, this was, this is what I experienced over and over and over again in, in, in high stress situations. And I, and then, and, you know, and then I can add in, you know, the, 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 the science of, in the physiology of high stress situations, you know, you're, you're going to lose dexterity, you're going to lose, you know, your, your eyesight's going to get lessened, your hearing's going to be intense, you know, you're not going to be able to see color as well. You know, so science says that, but I can say, you know, and in my experience, this is what happened, you know, so it makes you more, more believable, but just an all around better instructor say, Hey, this, this is what happens in real life, you know? And I, and I imagine that's right. Do you think any kind of instructor, any kind of football wrestling coach, you know, there's probably great football coaches that, that never played football, but the best coach can say, this is how I did it. This is how we do it now. This is how I understand, you know, these are, these are the capabilities or limitations of human beings that I understand that I'm going to, I'm going to make you, you know, try to reach your capabilities, but this is what happens in real life, you know? And I, I, I'm kind of, running with your question, but, you know, the, the, the answer to your question is, is, you know, if, if anything, this war has made much better fire, you know, gunfighters, civilian gunfighters, police gunfighters, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and trained younger, younger Marine military guys now that, that were from our experiences. I do actually want to, to build on that because I just recently saw a proposal coming out of Racine. Uh, Wisconsin, where they're they're looking to try and make sure. Well, make sure sounds like the wrong uh, verbiage, but they're they're looking to not hire military veterans for the police force due to the militarization of police. But also, like you just said, this training that they've received seems extremely beneficial for police departments, especially today. We're not talking about the laws, and we're not talking about who agrees with what. Right. The politics are the politics. I'm talking strictly doing your job when you have to, it seems yep. like a, a very stupid move that's going on over there that they're, they're trying to move on. What are your thoughts on that? Well, look, here's my thoughts. I've seen 19 year old kids in Afghanistan, Iraq have to make real world decisions on entering a house with, with, with children, with women, with uh, a group at a, at a, at an open air market of, or, a, you know, that, that, that they're being shot at. And these 19 year old kids are making decisions on how and when to engage and, and make the least amount of, of, you know, do the least amount of damage, you know, 
and those kids getting out of the military, being put in a police department, working for a scene. And, and if, a, if they're going to, you know, the police department's going to say, Hey, Hey, uh, you know, 25 year old man, I'm going to expect you to make a real world decision. And this 25 year old can say, unlike most kids coming out of college, I've made these decisions before. And I understand the value of human life. I'm not just a, a mindless killer. And, uh, you know, and I understand how to, how to, how to emotionally and then physically navigate through, you know, shooting bad guys and not shooting, not shooting bad, good guys, you know, and, uh, you know, in the, in the military, I understand is a little heavy handed, you know, and if, if you watch TV, you know, you get that drill instructor mentality that, that civilians probably don't want to endure. I don't want that as a civilian now. I don't want a police officer say, hey, dipshit, get out of your car and kind of knife handing me, you know, but, uh, but I also want, if a bad guy's in my house, I want a well-trained gunfighter coming to save me. Right. And, and those well-trained gunfighters are trained in the military and they come in and, and they'll be a, a, a multiplier to a police department and, and not a detriment, you know? So, you know, and, and, and that's not a generic, that's not a generic over, uh, you know, all encompassing statement. There's some dipshits that get out of the military that shouldn't be police officers that right. become police officers, but there's also dipshits that get out of college that shouldn't be police officers that become police officers, you know? So I think when used properly, the military um, matures, matures people at a, at a pretty rapid rate. And if you, if, if you have the ability to say, okay, this is my military mindset. This is how I had to operate in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm no longer in Afghanistan. I'm in Racine. So I can't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need to yell and scream at people, but when, when shit hits the fan, I have the ability to react properly. That that's the best of both worlds, you know? And, and yeah. so, you know, it, it's, I, I read that same article. And it was, it was just sad. And, and all that is, is some, in my opinion, some, you know, some politician that that's never met an actual, you know, war hardened military person that, that wants to get some headlines. And it, it's, it's sad that, that that's even a thing nowadays. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's dealing with stereotypes and sound bites, right? You know, even, even that guy's got a sound bite now and, and people are going to draw conclusions from it where, um, you know, when I saw it, I was like, uh, I laughed because I was like, well, all right, that's discriminatory. That's not going to fly. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but at the same time, it was just like, well, then then what? Right. Like, you know, who, who are you going to hire for some of these jobs? Like John had mentioned with the 19 year old dude who has to stay disciplined with his rules of engagement. Like, you know, we just have to, ha you know, maybe more clearly defined or I don't know, you know, John, you're going to be a solution for a lot of this problem is, is, is how do we train this? You know, how do we, how do we train good restraint? Right. How do we know when to hold back? It's, it's, uh, you know, I can't remember what movie I was watching the other day. Oh, I was watching this. Uh, and I'm not promoting a stupid movie, but I watched the Mel Gibson movie, <laughs> fat man, which actually has a little bit of gunfighting in it, which is kind of fun, but the dude who like uh, not to give it away, but the, the villain type in the movie was just wasting magazines. And I'm like, I'm screaming from my couch at 11 o'clock at night. And my wife can't figure out why I'm so excited or, or so pissed off. I'm like, conserve ammo, dude, what are you doing? Seriously. I was getting anxiety over the thought the guy just kept dumping mags and I was, you know, I, the same rules apply. Like you just can't go out there you know, doing whatever you want to do. But at right. least he was reloading, right? He, was all he reloading? of his technical skills were great. All right. Drop, all right. Dump, the way he was dumping mags and reloading, technically I'm, and tactically proficient, but he was not serving his ammo. Some, some ammo dump as long as they actually are reloading compared to just the, uh, oh, it's got an infinity magazine here. I, I, will, I will admit that the military has ruined 
my my uh, able my ability to enjoy the normal ass movie because I'm like, Every that's not how it goes. Yeah, and people that like you know my girlfriend's like, dude, just shut up and enjoy this fucking movie. I don't, you know, I understand that a grenade will blow that up, and I'm like, well, it wouldn't, you know. And I throw my video and try to show a real life stuff. So yeah, like that wouldn't even destroy the room that he threw it in, let alone the whole building. Right. I can't right. watch this anymore. I can't. But in real life, if you're watching a movie and they throw a grenade at this kind of one poofy big, oh, that's a shitty ass movie. You know? so, <laughs> right. You know? Like, oh, they had no budget, man. Their production value was crap. And I remember the first time I threw a grenade in real life, and I was like, man, that wasn't impressive at all. That, was, <laughs> that kind of bummed me out. You, know? <laughs> you were so excited, too. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, Hollywood, man. You could sit there and watch all those movies and, and see how they're. Uh, how well how good they're you almost want to yell and be like who's 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 uh the the consultant on this film john have you ever been approached for, for work like that yeah a few times and um and uh i i don't like hollywood to the point where i i would it, i would it wouldn't be fun for me and if they if you know i, I know like like john wick for example the, the the seal that he worked with got him operating like a like a no shit gunfighter and he did outstanding and I, I enjoy watching that movie you know and um i i've been uh, mo- more with 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 the mma stuff you know and um than, than the actual gunfighting stuff but i but i have been approached a few times to uh to consult with with people on a you know just moving through houses and and then and then and then fighting kind of stuff but um Fortunately for me, I, I'm doing okay with with my current job, so I don't, I don't have to do stuff I don't want to do, and that's really something I wouldn't want to do. But you know, if COVID, you end up, if COVID you know, goes up a week or two, man, I might be uh, I might be down Hollywood knocking on doors. Who knows? Yeah. I feel like that's how you end up in an active valor moment. I was so excited to watch that film, and they promoted it so hardcore, like Navy SEALs. No, there was a whole team. They all watched. They all were all producing. They were all there. They did everything. And I'm like, they have red lasers walking through a town, looking through night vision. It's an IR. You can't see it, but you didn't explain it. You just let them use red lasers, which wouldn't. Ha- All right, I'm done. I can't do that. I'm not even a Navy SEAL, and this is pissing me off. Right, right. You know, your your check already cashed. You're like, all right, whatever. Right. <laughs> just the amount of promotion they just really just shoved it down your throat that Navy SEALs were involved. I'm like, that makes these guys look a little bit worse in in the eyes of most people that know that none of this is what they would actually be doing. But, but you know, in, in, in their defense, um, my team had, we had a book written about us. We actually had a guy follow us around. It's called Ronan and that was our call sign. And, uh, we had a very successful, we had a very successful, uh, set of missions and the way the book was written, it was, it, it just wasn't, there was, there was a lot of, uh, poetry added, you know? And if you think about it, I mean, our, liberties our, taken. Our, our job was pretty pretty boring. We would sit around for a few weeks and, or sit around for a few days. And, you know, and, and if our job was right, we'd sit around, get our, get our shot off and then kind of fade away. And it, it didn't do, it, it didn't translate well for the book. So he had to be able to poetic with his things. And, and he did it right in front of our faces, you know, and we seen it happening. And at first we'd be like, well, no, no, that's, that's not, that's not really our mindset. I wasn't thinking that, you know, and he's like, well, you, you know, and then he, then, so, so I get it, you know, and I it get sells. that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I get that. I'm sure one of the SEALs said, hey, bro, that red laser is <laughs> ridiculous. And he said, well, it looks good on TV. Okay. Right. You know, so. 
well, that's the only reason I got so upset was because they they just talked about it like no this isn't going to be like every other Hollywood film where we say that it's going to be so accurate like this one's made by them and I'm like hell yeah this is going to be in- how are they going to figure out how to make those things that seem mundane or that wouldn't be exciting on or in a movie be exciting in a movie like that's what I was excited about and I was like you took every fucking trope and you threw it in this movie like you just shit on months of marketing and advertising this to make one of the most cliche fucking movies I've ever seen I'm like this is I this is like watching a, a an 80s action movie it's just absurd it's ridiculous it's still entertaining and I love the story everything like that the movie's still great it was just right. it, it was a huge letdown in that one aspect oh, but I it is it. a movie you got to make it visually pleasing that's right I hear it at the battle but I can only imagine being the guy who has to work that movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we would never actually do red lasers. Yeah, but look how cool that shit looks on camera. Right, right. All right, all right. yeah, go ahead, run with it. We're going to spray some fog in here, too. Dude, <laughs> it's, it's 98 degrees, and it's midnight. There's no fog. Yeah, but look how them fucking lasers look in that fog. Yeah, we're in the desert. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> Hey man, cash your cash your check and hope no one watches the movie. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think at that point you just got to smile from like your new right. deck with a spa on it or something, and just like, <laughs> cheers, boys. It's like this cold beer in this hot tub's real nice right now, though. Right, badass fur jacket or something. <laughs> That's got to be interesting to have to fend off some of that stuff though, because I'm sure at times it could be a little tempting, but like, you know. What's that going to do? What's that going to, you know, where's your integrity at that point? You know, everything you've worked your whole life for, then you just sell it off to Hollywood. Well, you know, in, in, in Marines, you know, I, I will brag on us a little bit. We've done a good job. We've done a good job staying away from that, staying away from that kind of sellout, you know, you know, it, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, I, you know, we, we've had a book written about our, our team, you know, so, and, and I took some flack for that. And, uh, you know, I've talked about, we don't talk about our units specifically, but I've talked about some of the things I've done and I'm, I'm very proud of some of the things I've done, you know, and, yeah, you, uh, be. you know, but, but it's not my job to represent that unit by any means, you know, so I, I, I tend to say, Hey, this is my experience this is John Mayer's experience as a United States Marine. And, and then I can, I feel comfortable talking about, you know, experiences, you know, through that, through that filter. But, uh, you know, there's some SEAL guys that said, Hey man, I can, I can, you know, you start, you start dating on some money in front of them and not in, in a significant amount of money. And it makes your thought process different, I'd imagine, you know, so. I think for altruistic reasons, there's got to be a lot of guys who go in there with the mindset that they're going to do it the right way. You know, I'm going to make sure that they tell the story right, but then it goes through its process and, you know, as part of the process some stuff just gets distorted. Oh, I'm sure they come <laughs> over and it's like, look, we brought you in as a courtesy. We just needed a name to yes. say that somebody was here. You just go stand over there, and if we need you, we'll we'll let you know. Yeah, you All know, right. in, in life, in, in life in general, is is basically boring. You know, if if you if your life was exciting as a movie, like you, you, you'd be kind of exhausted, you know. So, <laughs> All the time. You know, and, and if and if you're and if you're six months or your army guys, if you're if you're eighteen months over and twelve months over in, in Iraq was was as exciting as a movie, like you'd put a bullet in your head, you know. So it's you know, so it's you know, so I understand you know as a as a you know someone that likes movies 
you got you got to make it sexy. You got to make it appealing. But you know, don't like like you said. You know, don't don't say, "Hey, Navy SEALs." You know, they they directed this movie and then do the the red white bullshit and, and then embarrass the military. You know, so. Yeah, I remember I had a story. Somebody walked up to me with that Keanu video where he was doing three gun. And they were like, hey, man, is this guy, you know, like good? Like you, you must be good because you've deployed. And I'm like, dude, he would wax my ass in a gunfight. Like, like I could not hang with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, no, I could not either. John probably could. I can't. His, his gunfighting, his jujitsu, his, it, it, I mean, dude's legit. You know, like his, you know, like, I don't know if they took 100,000 takes on each one, but the ones they took, it, it made him look like he knew what he was doing, you know, like the way he was transitioning, the way he's going around walls, you know, it's someone took time and taught him how to be a gunfighter. And, you know, and, and, you know, being a gunfighter is like being an athlete. Some people just get it, you know, like you, you know, like you see those, you see those movies or, you know, a football or baseball movie, you're like, oh, that dude's never fucking touched a football in his life, you know, and then he got, then he get the baseball movies, a guy looks like he's swinging right and throwing ball right. Like, all right, that, that's believable, you know? So yeah, he's definitely believable. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think we, I want to jump back in time, man. Where the where are you even from? Like, what was you, how the hell did you figure out you're in a midnight, mid late nineties? I suppose, you know, like what was life going on when you decided you were going to be a marine? Is that something you'd always been wanting to do, or no interest at all? I um, I uh, I played sports my whole life. I grew up in West Dallas, Wisconsin, and uh, I I went to college, played football, and. And I was, I was, I was in college and didn't really like it. I didn't like the atmosphere. I didn't like, you know, the white hat and uh polo shirt and khaki pant crowd. And, you know, and uh, I just didn't like school. You know, I wasn't a big fan of, you know, you know, I was, I was young and, you know, I wasn't thirsty for knowledge, you know, so it's, uh, I was going to school to play, to play sports and I enjoyed it, but nowhere near, I wasn't happy, you know? And I, I remember, honestly, I was reading a book called uh, the things they carry. I was reading it for, for English class. And uh, so I was, it got me thinking about the military and, and I don't come from a military family. My grandpa was a Marine in Korea war, but I don't think he, you know, we didn't, he didn't do much. He was, he was drafted and went over and, you know, he, he worked for the air wing and, you know, so we don't, we don't have a big, you know, military background. And uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I woke up at four in the morning and, and I said, I am going to join the Marine Corps tomorrow. And I went back to sleep next morning. I, I, I no shit dialed 1-800 Marines and uh, some dude answered. I'm like, can I be a Marine? He's like, all right, dummy, where, you know, where are you? I'm like, you know, I told him, I, I was like, I'm, at, I'm at school. And, and uh, he's, he kind of like laughed. He's like, yep, I'll come get your dumb ass. And uh, I remember he pulled up and I talked to him and he, I got into, a, got into his car. We drove down to the recruiter station. And uh, then he goes, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. Like, I want to be like a pilot. He's like, he's like, how about infantry? I was like, okay, you know, so, you know I, I mean, you're going to fight dragons, kid. <laughs> I do nothing. I, you know, and, and I, I just as easily could have been in, I could have went to the Coast Guard. I could have went to the Army, Navy. I, I had, you know, I knew what, you know, the, the perception of the Marine Corps was. So I said, that's, what, that's kind of what I want to do, you know. But other than that, you know, I didn't do much research. And, I, you know, and my intent was to go to the military for four years, mature, come back and play football again. And uh, I just got, I got there and I remember even in boot camp, I'm like, yep, this is what I want to be doing. This, this is, this is exactly where I should be right now. You know, and it's, uh, you know, and that's, you know, that, you know, and, and I, I tell people even when I was a, a staff sergeant or a gunnery sergeant, you know, I was a senior Marine and I would walk by and see myself in uniform and made me happy still I'm like that ah, shit. I'm still, this is what I want to be doing, you know? So, uh, 
yep. After, you know, I said, I was a Marine for a very short amount of time. And I said, yep, this is what I want to do. I, I was, I was very, I was very happy with my decision. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I'm just curious. So um, after boot camp, I was a Pogue. So I went to MCT, not SOI. But when I was in MCT, I got approached and they were like, hey, would you ever be interested in going to uh, MARSOC? And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it sounds cool. And they were like, yeah, uh, I swim about as good as a brick. So needless to say, I didn't even get close to qualifying to be able to move past that. But uh, you said you went in as infantry. Were you approached similar way? Did they just come up and just like, hey, your PT scores are incredible? Yeah, so, you know, you know, I, I, I was playing, I was playing college football. I was in good shape. I'm, I was a little bit bigger. I, I was actually a good swimmer. And uh, no, you, know, you remember when I came in, that was eight, nine years before Mark's out was even a thing, you know? Yeah. So the reconnaissance community is where, is where, uh, is, you know, when, 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 you know, so you go to SOI and, uh, you know, the reconnaissance community came and said, Hey, you know, you're, you, I was a, uh, was a CS or whatever, a WS1 swimmer. And, um, you know, I said, hey, if you guys are interested in, and several of us were interested in, in, you know, that that's that's kind of the route, that's how we were approaching the route we took, you know. So, you know, when we were, I wasn't more mature by any means, but I was I was more, I was more sure in, in what I wanted to do. You know, I, I seen some guys, I think I even told you a story that when we were chatting, you know, I seen some guys at a towel hall, the way they're presenting yourselves and the way they're moving around and, and the way they, you know, it's the way they looked, you know, like they, like, I don't know if they were cool, the way they but they carried themselves, the way they carried themselves, they carried themselves like, yeah. like professionals. And I said, I said, I want, I don't know who the hell those guys are. And, you know, they, they may have been chow hole, you know, guys for all I know, right. they end up being, they end up being, um, you know, reconnaissance guys. And, and, you know, so I, I you know, I, I was impressed by them early and, and, you know, I, and I kind of made it up that, 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 that was, that, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go into that kind of sniping or reconnaissance community and, you know, so how's that even happen? I feel like that's one of the, the better kept secrets is even in my time in, like I knew like force recon was a thing and I knew it was something different, but there wasn't enough movies about it clearly or, right. or for me. So like, maybe take us through that process. What was it to like, you hmm. know, to, to identify, was there a selection, I, you know, army has selection processes for their, their top tiered stuff. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, there, there definitely a selection process, but, it, but you know, they, the Marine Corps is, you know, if you think about it, there's more Rangers under our Marines, you know, so the Marine Corps is so small and so intimate that, you know, and, and, and honestly, so underfunded that, you know, the, the, the like the, you know, the, the higher echelon, you know, operations teams, they're, 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 they're not very well known. I mean, they, they go on up, you know, especially in pre-war, you know, there, there was a time where reconnaissance units were kind of attached to a, of a uh, infantry battalion and they, they were engineers for an infantry battalion and they kind of went off on their own for a while and, and, it, and it kind of went back and forth because we didn't have that we didn't have the uh we didn't have the SOCOM money to begin with you know and we didn't have the so and, and without that money and without that without that designated we didn't, we didn't get the missions so we kind of we acted internally you know um i would put a force reconnaissance unit up against any seal team against any you know army sf team you know as far as tactics and you know but you know, you, you can be as tactile, you know, you, you could be the baddest dude on earth, but if you don't have the equipment, which the Marine Corps simply didn't, you know, and by, by you know, by design, they said they didn't have that, that bar stock or they didn't have that SOCOM money, 
you know, so they didn't have the, you know, the, the, the technology, didn't have the weapon system, didn't have the, the, you know, delivery vehicles, you know. So, um, you know, so internally we were well-respected, you know, but in the, in the soft community, they were, I, I wouldn't say they were a joke by any means, but they, they just didn't have the, they didn't have the pull, they didn't have the pull that, that, uh, that, uh, you know, their, their, their sister teams and the SEALs or the, you know, the Army, the Army and, and amphibious teams had. My first exposure to that was um, I never met the dude, but we had a shared friend and I would always, you know, whenever they asked me questions about my deployment and stuff like that, they're always very specific types of questions. Like they knew somebody and uh, they had mentioned this guy. And when he got out, he immediately transitioned to contractor work. And I'm like, that's a pretty big jump for somebody to make after, you know, maybe an initial contract or something like that. So I started poking around and then he was in a recon unit. And so I was like, man, there must be something happening there because like when I got out of the military, I, you know, I, I probably, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I was ready for that kind of work yet. Like right. a regular right. army line unit is not really getting the trigger time they need to, to do that kind of work. And, right. um, and so I just immediately then I was kind of curious. And so I'm, you know, this will be a fun, a fun discussion today. I think get to know some of that. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different block, you know, you, you, and you gotta be a different type of person. You gotta be a little, you know, cerebral, you, know, you gotta be able to, you know, and you gotta want to work, you know, army SF guys, you know, you gotta be able to want to work with, brown guys you know you want to you got to want to go to south america and, and integrate yourself in their in their culture you gotta go to africa integrate yourself in your culture you know you got to want to do that you know so if you if you just want to kick doors and have no interest in working with indigenous you know or or you know or, or friendly forces and, and teaching them how to fight and fight alongside of them you know that's, that's not your gig you know and if if you have no interest in you know, sitting and taking 10,000 pictures and, and sitting behind a scope for, you know, days at a time and, and, and then, and, you know, and, and, and sending in beach reps and bridge reps and, and basically boring shit. If you have no interest in that, because that's what your job really is. Yeah. You know, you're, you're all you are, is you're a support unit for, for the more important infantry, you know, and you can go a little bit deeper, a little bit faster because you're a smaller team, you know, God forbid you get into a firefight because you're going to fucking lose every time, yeah. you know, so you know, you, you can, so if you, if you join those units uh, for the t-shirt and you think you're going to go, you know, tell some chick at a bar that you're a, <laughs> that you're a tier one operator and she's going to give a shit, you know, like, you know, that, that, that fades away pretty quick. And, you know, if you, if you want to say, hey, tell people at a bar, I'm a sniper, that, that's, that, that's not the right way. That's not the, the cause it, it simply won't last long enough because life's going to suck. And you're going to say, shit, this isn't for me, you know? But if you truly care about, you know, snooping and pooping and, 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 and getting out and being the eyes and ears of a, of a much larger unit and saying, hey, you know, I'm by myself. I'm, I'm with a very small three, four, five man team. And I have, I have radio with artillery and air support and, and infantry and all my adjacent units have this, this, and this. And this is how powerful I am. And I care about that, you know, which, is a, which was, I would sit and kind of fantasize you know, kind of get like a warm and fuzzy, like kind of, you know, excuse my language, like get like a warboarder thinking like, bam, I might be the most dangerous human being in this AO right now, you know, with, with my capabilities, you know, with my personal capabilities, but with my units capabilities, I might be the most dangerous human being, uh, you know, in this area. You know, I, I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed knowing that people are going to be successful or unsuccessful because of, of my actions and how I, and how I go about, you know, uh, being successful with this specific mission, you know, and uh, that's what drove me for all those years, you know, and, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I liked saying I did what I did. It, it made me proud and it made, made me happy, 
but uh, you know that that shit fades real quick. If you don't like what you're doing, then you know you, you can say you can say you're the baddest dude on earth, but that shit gets real boring real quick. You know. Well, you know what they say. It's like the Marines. It's one percent of like all the military branch personnel or something like that. Right. But yeah. Speaking of this dude talking about being the baddest dude on the AO, I'm sitting on the side of a mountain in Kajaki, and all of a sudden our radio's going off. Like we see you. Do you see us? No. Who the hell is this? Why are you talking to me? You are not the tower up top. Like, who is this? And then they, you know, we've got our list of uh, call signs that we're expected to hear from. We have to call up to tower. They have to call the COC to find out who this, I'm not going to use a call sign, but who this call sign is like, oh, that's a recon unit that's out in your area. Awesome. Glad we knew that because if for whatever reason they messed up and we saw random people, they're not supposed to be down there. So right. send them mortars or the 50 or two, four, whatever, <laughs> wherever they're at. And like, so I'm glad they called in, but. No, we never saw them. We knew they were down there. They didn't give us a position, but we were like, hey, if we see somebody, obviously we'll call in to make sure that's not you or that that is you. But yeah, these dudes just sneaking around after telling me they're down there. <laughs> well, you know, part, part of a good fire paragraph order, op order, is your friendly situation, which is has your higher adjacent supporting. And part of that is talking to your higher adjacent 40 letting them know that you're in the area, you know? So, I mean, I mean, if, if you're so, it, yeah, it, it's, you know, everyone makes, you know, them cocky mistakes, you know, good, well-trained, mature units wouldn't have made that. And they would have, you would have known they're out there forever because, because you're a good guy to have on your side. Right. You know, like, like I want, I want you to know where I am because I want you to be able to drop, drop, you know, munitions for me immediately, you know, and not, I don't want to have to go through the, Hey bro, uh, by the way, I'm here. Shouldn't be here. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a jam. Can I, can I get your help real quick? You know, like I would like yeah. to say, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, media suppression, ABC, you know, 123. And then you start dropping rounds and I can get back and drink a beer with you later. You know? So I think it was just their way of, uh, they, I think they were just came or coming into our area and they wanted to just kind of mess with us a little bit, but also be like, Hey, we're here now. Cause we did end up uh, sending some support for them in a couple areas shooting some mortars and whatnot for him. So, but yeah, I guess, never, never I guess you, gotta, you gotta try to be cool every once in a while, you know? Right. I don't, I don't blame him. If I was him, I'd try and be cool like that too. <laughs> Not even going to lie. I'm like, yeah, I see you shitheads. You don't see us though, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's why we're reconning. and you're sitting on post at three in the morning on the side of a mountain right now. So <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. Right. Yeah, I was like, so I've done, I got nothing on any of that, but I always enjoy deer hunting. If I can get either high enough in a tree or far enough off to where people are working my area, walking underneath me and have no idea I'm sitting up there. And I just enjoy sitting up there and just watching it and being like, all right, I'm, I'm hitting pretty well here. Same with duck hunting. Uh, if I choose not to put any decoys out or anything like that, just seeing people come into your spot. I had a guy cool. come in with a, with a shotgun drawn, wanting to shoot at my decoys one day. And I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> they, they taste like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. It, it's a cool feeling it, it, it's a cool feeling and, it, and, and that's one of those you know it, it is an adrenaline rush you know it's, you know I, I remember a few times you know even in the city of Fuja during the push you know we would have guys literally walk right by us you know and, and you got your pistol and you say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this guy I'm gonna pop this guy uh, and then he walks by you're like oh shit that was you know <laughs> and no idea you're there and you're in and you know and, and, and he's all right well I'm doing something right you know I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I'm I've made this hide proper and I, you know, I, you know, and where you see you taking shots and you can see people frantically trying to find you this, you know, we, in, 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 you know, in our world, we call it recon by fire. 
you know, but it's just bad. It's, it's bad guy spray and pray and just shooting the shit out of stuff. You're thinking, Oh, they have no idea where I am. Like I did something right. You know? So it's, it, it, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that. All right. You know, my, my, you know, you know, I, I've made this decision to come here and, you know, I haven't got myself, my, in my, my team killed yet. So you know, yeah. Yeah. My buddy was the medic for one of our scout sniper teams. And he was always telling me, uh, the dudes would want to take a bunch of emodium before they went out on a set. So they at least wouldn't have to take a dump for the three, four yeah. days when they were out there. And you guys are doing these longer engagements, but they usually, they'd sit for three to four days, usually on average. You know, that, that was one of the, uh, I remember our, our sniper school stories. Like, you know, if you're, if you're on this hide and, you might have to crap yourself or piss yourself from everything. I'm like, all right, that, that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for. And I can, I can, I can say, and uh, I'm, I'm proud that if I had to take a crap out in combat, I would just kind of excuse myself and take a crap. <laughs> you know? I've been shot a bunch of times. So I've made a bunch of bad decisions, but I've never had, <laughs> and I've never had a piss, but you know, you have know. you ever been shot at or blown up when you're taking a shit though? Never. Never. I, I have. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just doing an overwatch on, on Route Michigan of all places in Western Baghdad, and we backed up against the concrete wall. And so I shuffle up, sitting there, pinched in between the door and everything. I've got a picture of this, believe it or not, from my gunner. Took off my IDA back when that was the body armor you wore. And no shit, 50 meters in front of our vehicle, just off to the right, is one of our platoons that was doing uh, route overwatch. They were coming by and got blown up right there about, man, 50 to 100 meters off. And I still remember jumping back up in the truck and catching and rip stopping the whole, the whole leg off my pants. I'm wiping, I'm stuffing baby wipes out the crack at the top of the window as we're starting to secure the perimeter. And then he put duct tape around your pants just to hold them together long enough to go clear houses for three hours. I was like, all right, well, that's, that's an experience. That's a story, I guess. So I had to take a shit while sitting with my 240. I was just up on this like three foot mud wall and we'd, been there already for like three hours we had found an ied we we're waiting for eod and we all know how long that takes so waiting for eod to come out there and i'm like i can't hold it i'm on this little wall and i'm like well nobody's right around me so i'm just like one hand slide my pants down squat behind this wall and hold on to it try and take a shit all right oh i can't wipe all right well this is gonna be fun like don't know how much longer we're gonna be out here i was so thankful because not 10 minutes later we actually got engaged because eod showed up and then everyone kind of moved to try and get them in there and then all of a sudden shit hit the fan but i was like oh oh thank god i could have i could have held that and then it'd just be in my pants right now and that would not be a good situation i i did i did one time i was at a uh i was at an iraqi police station and there was a small there was a small uscoc and I get there and I, I you know, I, I ran to the, the port of John. I had to go bad. I, I dropped my pants and I, I, I and uh, I, I, it was pitch black. And I remember I slipped a little bit and, you know, my feet slipped out from underneath. And I knew, I knew what it was immediately. And I started gagging and, <laughs> and my, my pants, my boots are full of shit. Oh. And it wasn't mine, which is, I could have accepted, oh. one, you know? So I dropped my, my dropped my boots, dropped my pants. I walked to the COC had never met me, you know, and I was like, uh, and they're like, what the fuck, what, what is going on here? I was like, I'm gunny matter. And I just went into one of your people's shit. So I was like, I need pants right now, or I'm going to, uh, I, I was, I was free. I, I, if, if I would have ever went crazy and killed people, it would have been that day. Cause I, I, was, <laughs> I was never, I was, it, I still, that was probably 15 years ago and I still gag. I still gag when I, when I think about that, that, that was the worst moment of my life, you know, and that's uh and I and I was wearing like a 
I remember some someone I wore like a pair of like medium regular pants that didn't fit me right, and I was I, I was just it was just I was pissed off like like oh, that was the worst day of my life. I, I'm getting mad thinking about it now. <laughs> Yeah, Man, I remember going to an Iraqi police station. This is in, in downtown Baghdad with a big Hesco barrier walls built up really high. And I went in there and, and it still astounds me to this day, the type of, uh, the type of plumbing they're able to get away with as a country right. where it's just like a hole in the ground, PVC tube going out the side and you got your grandmother's water bucket for the flowers <laughs> that you're going to pour and get the stuff down. And I went and laid in the most beautiful soft serve ice cream that I have ever laid. And I, I poured a little bit of water over it. And I'm like, all right, well, I tried. <laughs> Knowing full well the lowest enlisted Iraqi police dude is going to be back in there later cleaning it up by hand. But I'm just like, I got I to get out of here, man. We're not here for long. I, sorry, bud. I've, I've also had to burn some shit and do some things I didn't want to do. But yeah. oh, shit detail. Yep. that's the stuff I always like. If somebody says, uh, how do I ask a veteran about their stories? And I'm, you know. I usually try to entertain it a little bit, but I'll usually be like, ask them the weirdest place they've ever had to take a shit. Right. Like right. you can't get through even the, a non-deployment experience. There's gotta be a good shit story in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Always, always, you know, and foods, foods always, I enjoy food. I still like, I still like Arab food. Still my favorite, you know, and honestly, like uh, I would go right now mm. to the chow hall at, at uh, oh, where was that? Camp Fallujah. I'd, I'd skip any food here to go there eat. I, I miss that food. You know, it was few and far between for us, but I, I really enjoyed that. So, they, you know, so, you know, people always say, oh, yeah, you, you, it must have been horrible to, to, to eat. Like, no, man, the food's good. If you can ever figure it out, you know, food is always good. You know, the oh, local yeah. food. Did you, you know, like, uh, get to go through Leatherneck at all? Uh, I've been through Leatherneck, didn't, didn't spend, you know, because, because of my job, I, I spent the majority of my time out in Fobs and, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, but, uh, well, yeah, when I would, I'd, I'd always take advantage, you know. I'd There's get like the, the five days prepping to go out to Kajaki, and then that like five days you get when you're coming back, right? Right. And the smell of like female perfume for the first right. time, and however long, and then there was a, but there was a sandwich shop. We didn't even bother going to the the what they call it, the defect. Why would I go to the defect line? Just go to the sandwich shop. Right. And you could toast bread and they had all kinds of lunch meats. And I was like, this is the greatest sandwich I've ever had in my life right here before and after and flushing toilets for the first time. in that, last seven <laughs> months so that that was incredible watching your shit actually leave and not have to deal with it. I remember, I remember time they, uh, we, we were, we were out and I was in the Euphrates for a while and, um, I, I had longer hair and we were talking about my ball now that I, I had longer <laughs> hair and I had, I had, you know, facial hair at the time. And uh, I, we were wet for about a week and I got back and, and, you know, it's, you know, my SOP, you, you debrief immediately before you do, before you clean the weapons, before you do anything, you debrief. We were so gross. Our boss was like, Hey, get out of my face for, for an hour, come back in an hour. You know, there was five of us. So we all, you know, we we're all sick of each other's face. We all went our own way. Well, everyone, everyone else, I didn't think about this. Everyone else went and showered. And my fat ass went to the chow hall and I got a whole cheesecake and I sat underneath a, I sat underneath like a, a, a fig tree and ate a whole cheesecake, you know, and in, in an hour I come waddling back and they're like, and everyone else is like cleanly shaven and their hair was better. They, they smell good. And they're like, man, what the fuck? I was like, Oh, I wasn't eight. I was like, I, need, you know, I, was like, I was like, I'm not going to lie fellas. I never even considered taking a shower. I was like, I, I, didn't give it, I, didn't, I just want to get a cheesecake in me. You know? So, so they called me, they called me dirty kid for, you know, and, and even when I retired, 
they called me dirty kid. I'm like, well, you know, uh, like <laughs> you know, call, call my name, you know, it'd be nice. Right? You know? But yeah, so it was, uh, yeah. So that's, I, I guess I had my, my priorities were kind of screwed up, you know? So. <laughs> I don't know. Cheesecake's pretty fucking awesome. So they're wonderful. And I, I, again, I would skip a shower right now to go eat a cheesecake. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yep. We got lucky a couple times. We were working up in, we covered Sauter City North all the way to a town called Husania up in the south or the northeast side of Baghdad. And over in that town of Husania, it was like, there was no, no real combat happening there. It was actually super chill. And so we found this Kurdish dude who had a, a like a chicken stand where he'd rotisserie him out next to the street. And we would stop and feed the whole platoon for 20 bucks and like stuffed in a uh, up armored Humvee in hundred degrees. I remember just eating like essentially donor kebab, you know? And I was just like, oh my God, this is so good. And I still, I've, I haven't gotten chicken that good yet, but I found it at a, at a Greek restaurant in Chicago. I, I got close once, but like you say, like that food, man, uh, there's something that with Afghan it. Afghan footbread. Right, right. Afghan footbread. Oh, yep. I'd pay for that right now. Right. I, I figured I'd, I'd eat about two pounds of Iraqi spit in my life or two gallons. <laughs> and I, I, I'm cool with it. You know, that was that, that that bread, that foot bread, and that that uh, like football looking bread in Iraq. Yeah, yeah, non bread. That's, that's wonderful, non bread. Yeah. The only sketchy part was sitting down with locals to try and eat, and then realizing like, well, they're not pulling out plates, and there's just a big <laughs> yeah. pile of the shit in the middle of the room. So yeah, I guess I'm just gonna grab this whole ass potato and just right. And then they would they would like they would pick food up and try to give it to you. You're like, nah, bro. Yeah, like I watched you use piss to wash yeah. your face and hands earlier, dude. Yeah. I don't want yeah. nothing to do with that. I, I'll get my own. Thanks, so. I don't want to be rude, but yeah, all those cultural competency cards. That's like, oh, your left hand. Don't ever touch with your. And then the dude hands you some food with the left hand. You're yeah, like, you're like mm. that goes against everything I know. <laughs> yeah, you're like that. That's actually illegal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> or like, don't don't show on the bottom of your foot. You yeah, know? yeah. I was yeah. just about to say that. You know? I was I was always I was always polite to people, especially I was in their house. You know, I I, I took a lot of pride in, you know, if, if if they need to be killed, I'd kill them. But if they didn't, you know, I'd give them a hug too. You know, and uh, yeah. you know, I you know, I never wanted to be disrespectful to people in their home because I figured shit is going to happen one day in America, and I don't want I don't want these people doing this to my family. You know, but you know, if I had to cross my legs or sit like a sit like I wanted to sit, I I didn't really give a shit. You know, like yeah. if, they, if they accidentally seen the bottom, and I don't think. I don't think they gave a shit either, you know, so it's, you yeah. know. I was going to say some of the ANA or the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police guys that we worked with, it, it was kind of like the same thing as, you know, shooting the bird to your buddy. It was like, right. If it was a random stranger, they'd take offense to it. But once you kind of build that rapport with them, just walk around and like randomly lift up your foot at them and they laugh. And they <laughs> sure. lift theirs up at you and you're like, okay, cool. Right. I know you're just flipping me off right now. What's funny is that that's like a, a, a way to show love to somebody, right? Like that's one of the nicest yeah. things I could do to you. If I, if I <laughs> greet you and I come in the room and be like, Hey fucker. And I flick you off. Right, that is, right. That's the most sincere form of, of that means flattery. that I like you. Yeah. And then and when the I'm people, like, Oh, hello. How are you doing, man? Hey. And well, you know, and that, in, in a way that goes back to our, our initial conversation about, uh, you know, military people getting in the police department, you know, I don't know if, if, if that scares people, you know, if, if, if how I, you know, like, like, you know, you, you and I, we talked to other for, for half hour, you know, a month ago and within a half hour, all right, you're, you're, a, you're a jarhead. I'm a jarhead. We, 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 we start talking to each other like Marines and we're buddies real quick, you know, and I imagine that's intimidating for a lot of people because from the outside, 
our conversations may have been a little, let's let's say, rugged, you know. Yeah. And and they don't have enough respect for us to think. All right, John doesn't have the ability to be rugged around his friends and not an idiot around a woman that he's pulling over for speeding. You know, which yeah. which is it, it's it's. I take offense to that, and and mm. I hope I hope most military takes offense to it because they're saying that, you know, you're not intelligent enough to understand your your surroundings. You know, right. which is, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and it's embarrassing. It should be embarrassing for that guy that who said it. You know, and it's uh, you know, and and I think, you know, in a way, as military guys, especially guys that you know, I don't have life figured out by any means. I I, I fucked up millions of times, but I have. I have the professional part of my life figured out pretty well. And it's, it should be up to people like me and people like, like us, you know, to represent the military in that, in that fashion saying, okay, I can be a professional. You know, I have my, I'm covered in tattoos, but if I go to, you know, meet my girlfriend's parents, I'm not going to say the F word. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to wear a sweater, you know, like, yeah. you know, if you gotta be, if you, you know, and in the military, we, we become professionals at being situ- situationally aware. And, and then, you know, and that's just, that's just a, it's, it's the same tactic, but it's a, it's a different application when you become a civilian, you know, don't talk about your dick in front of chicks, you know, don't, don't call people faggot or fucker until, until you understand that you're, that you're, you know, your surroundings are, are, are secure, you know, right. Uh, you know, and, and apparently enough people have, have made that mistake that this idiot felt comfortable talking about military people going into the police department, you know, and it, it's sad. Well, I, I kind of found out, you know, you talk about life being a series of good and, you know, you have, we have each of us are st- stubbed our toes, I'm sure enough times, but like, um, I started to get to where like my professional life was doing so well to the point that I actually needed to be around some of you guys again. Right. And so like right. getting into some of these veteran service organizations, I was always searching for it. And I think the you know, the closest I've gotten is with combat vets motorcycle association, because I think the guys who choose the lifestyle of riding motorcycles generally are, are maybe living closer to that kind of stuff. And so for me, man, it's been a boon. It's like being able to kind of let down your guard and relax and, and uh, I need to be on the edge just a little bit because I can't, right. I don't right. get to just go to the range and shoot guns, blow shit up all the time. That's not my normal life anymore. Right. And ammo's expensive. God damn it. So yeah. and I'm not shooting on taxpayer dime anymore. Right. So now I got to find other ways to try and just feed that, that little monster in the back of your head that says you want to do some wild shit, but uh, you get arrested for doing that shit now. So yeah. Calm down. What are you going to do now? You know, you should, I feel you like should never... leads into that alcohol, drug abuse, yes, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, I myself had to go to rehab for alcohol. Like I got my OWI, I've got my bad past and stuff like that. I know a lot of them do. That's just uh, unfortunately a normal story that seems to come out of most people. And uh, obviously working on it now and trying to better myself and talking to guys like you and seeing how you. Uh, veered off of that path and what you did right and what didn't work for you and yeah the cvma the combat vets motorcycle association was a a nice touch i get to meet a lot of guys that went through similar stories and still going through stuff and kind of have that that camaraderie and stuff that we we were used to that you don't really have when you get out until you start finding those kind of people right you know one one of my big things you know, I, I, I speak often, I speak to, to police departments, I speak to civilians about leadership and, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and, you know, how I, how I, you know, bring, bring military tactics into my civilian life and how, you know, I, I use five paragraph order weekly to the plan, the plan everything, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of belt fed that way. And, but I found a way that works for me. 
you know, and I found myself over and over and over talking to police department saying, you know, if you see kids dying, if you are encountering, you know, child abuse and, and, and all these horrible things you see at the police officer every day, if you don't have some sort of PTSD, you're wrong. Something's wrong with you if, you, if you're not emotionally, you know, kicked in the, in the nuts by the situation. So I, so I, would, I, would, I was the biggest advocate. You, you need to go get help. You need to talk to somebody. You know, you, you, need to, you, you need to find a like-minded group. You need to go find a therapy group. And, uh, and I would say that, and then I would go home and be like, that is just not for me, you know? And then, about that, yep. right. And then about a year and a half ago, I actually, I, you know, I said, I, I need, I need to make some changes. I was just, you know, I wasn't sleeping. I was unhappy with my life and, and I was, I was doing good. I was doing good uh, financially, but, but everything else was shit for me, you know? And, um, you know, I wasn't sleeping. I was having panic attacks. So I actually went to the VA and said, I'm fucking broken, you know? And I found an outstanding group of people you know, that I still go to weekly, you know, and, uh, you know, every single week I go to a, to a group and then I see a, uh, a therapist, you know, one-on-one every other week. And it, it's literally changed my life. It 100% made me the person that I, when I looked in the mirror, I said, I am not happy with who that dude is. And since I've been going to therapy and just kind of getting shit off and figuring out, okay, this is what, you know, this is what PTSD is. You know, it, it's, it's like a broken knee more than it's like a, you know, a, a, a death sentence. You know, if, if, you, if you treat it right, it'll get better to the point where it's no longer a problem, you know. And, you know, and I, when I realized that there's not a pill, you know, like the first day I walked in, I'm like, can I, can I get a bunch of drugs so I can go be successful? You know, like, oh, shit, that's what exists. Like, you're going like, to the VA, so of course that was a thought process. <laughs> yeah, but no, but in- no offense, Adam, no offense. But they had no they had no interest in giving me anything. They said, "Yeah, you need this is what you need to do." And and they, uh, you know, they they they've helped me to the point where I am I am healthier and happier with who I am right now than I have been ever in my life. You know, and it's uh, and I I, you know, I, I hear a lot, especially being in a in a veteran community. I hear a lot about you know anti VA type stuff. I I simply don't have a bad VA story. I, I really don't. And I've had I've had bullets taken out the VA. I had I have a a vestibular nerve stimulator put in my brain at the VA. Well, actually at Freighter, but the VA set that up and, you know, but, uh, you know, I have so many good stories other than, you know, if, if I had the sniffles, I'd be fucking dead before I got in to see my, my doctor. But that's, I mean, that's, that's, this, that's a problem. That, that seems I, to be the that. biggest complaint though. That <laughs> seems to be the only one that's really there. I was just going off of that Toma issue that we had a couple of years back right. where they were just like, ah, oh, you know, I got a little, uh, tightness in my chest. Like, here's some opium for it. Take that. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I was thinking about setting up a hearing test. Take some opium. There you go. That'll right. help that right. shit. But uh, no, I've, I'm on the same boat. I've heard a lot of people hate on the VA, and I've never had a bad experience. I've been to four different VA clinics from Michigan, Madison, Texas, um, two in Texas, actually. But yeah, every place I've been to, it could be a tiny little place. It could be a big ass hospital, but I've always had good experiences. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to get in there, but of course it does. Why wouldn't it? There's a lot of veterans out there. And Well, right. And, and you know, if, if they could change that, I'd like to think they would, you know, and, I, and I'd like to think they're trying to streamline stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, but once you get into VA, once you're actually face to face with somebody, 
I don't think it gets much better as far as, as, as far as quality of care, you know? So it's, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I feel like I shouldn't say anything here or there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I am not speaking on behalf of VA when I run this podcast. Uh, I am an employee of the VA, but, um, before I was an employee, I was down in Chicago, uh, uh, for a while, I was personal training, doing stuff like that back when I was physically fit, and I I played a bunch of Australian football over the course of the weekend. And my body was super tight, um, and I went and on that Monday I did somebody else's workout, and we did a bunch of walking lunges around the building, and it was just like I knew going into it, I was like, this is too many lunges for me, as tight as I am, <laughs> and no shit, I had probably three steps to go before I got in the door and I was done with my workout and I ripped off one of my quad muscles straight off my pelvis or off oh, my hips. Oh. I had what's called an avulsion fracture. And so I laid flat on the table and I literally couldn't lift my leg up. It was the, the muscle was responsible for that movement. So yeah. I go to the emergency department in the South side of Chicago and I get in there well, and the I get South side too. Well, it's I'm, I'm narrowing people in if they know which hospital it's talking about. Ah. But um, <laughs> so I laid in the ER, they get me back, get me seated in a room. And I'm the kind of guy who like, I get more joy out of when somebody realizes they made a mistake than helping them, which is not a good trait. <laughs> it's probably held, held me back in some of my career. I literally sat in that room for seven hours, listening to all the conversation in the emergency department. And I remember finally it got to the point to where I heard him start to go, why is this, who is this guy? Who's who's this person? And it's because I was still showing up on their list. And they finally, they're like, well, where is he? They couldn't find me. And I'm, I didn't go anywhere. I went where they put me. Right. And when they realized I was still in there and hadn't been seen by that orthopedic specialist yet, that you could just hear it. And I, I take far too much joy in that. And so I eventually saw the guy. He's like, yeah, it sucks. I can't do anything for you. He's like, just chill out for a while. It'll get better. It'll find its way back up there. And I was like, well, that's confidence inspiring. But right. He was right. It eventually did. But I still remember seven hours just laying there and just being like, say seven hours for them to tell you yeah just go sit somewhere else well that's like the military trains you to sit there and shut up until you're told otherwise right and so for me it was a little bit of that too i was like i'm just gonna sit here and shut up until it's my you know i'm not gonna speak out now today it's different i know the system i would have walked out there and talked to him right away but (laughs) thinking of the va stories so uh did you sell those gyms off before covid or was that during covid i did i got i got i got lucky about it about two years ago and, um, you know what, so, so I, so I was injured. I, I, I moved back to Wisconsin and, um, I just started going to a gym just to, you know, just to kind of, just kind of move around and, you know, be around like-minded folk. And, and, uh, and I, I met a gentleman that owned Walkshaw Mixed Martial Arts, name's Reese Shaner and him and I, and Reese is, uh, is, is a, is a very well-known, uh, heavyweight. He was, he was a champion for a long time, uh, a, a very well-respected heavyweight fighter. Uh, he, he, and so in him and I, uh, so he asked me after a while to, to, to become his partner. And, uh, and, you know, so I, I was training there, uh, Reese died in a motorcycle accident a couple of years ago. And, uh, so we were going back and forth on what we wanted to do with the gym. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in owning a gym, you know, by myself. And, you know, it was kind of a minor Reese thing. Um, while we were going through that process, uh, Duke, Duke Rufus uh, and, and a gentleman named Scott Jaffe, who actually owns Rufus Sport with uh, Duke, uh, and Rufus Sport is one of the better better known gyms on earth. You know, and they're um, you know they they pump out UFC fighters and world champions all the time. And uh, and Duke asked me if I would come and and, and be an instructor at his gym. And I actually uh, I was a kickboxing and jujitsu instructor for a little bit, or more more of a kickboxing instructor. And then I went um, and I developed a a like a kind of self defense, a very aggressive. Uh, you know, simple movements, um, uh, mindset training, 
uh, so I, I developed that program and we called it Rufus Matter uh, Combatives. And I was teaching that out of uh, the, the Rufus headquarters in Milwaukee. And uh, a, a few months after I started doing that, I got the opportunity to buy uh, Rufus Ward Gym. I, I took that opportunity. And at the same time I was running that gym and I was running a, uh, my consulting company. And, you know, in order to do your due diligence and, and, and uh, that, that ha you have to have, you, you have to make a decision, you know, and I, I and, or, or I did at least, I, I didn't have the ability to, to run, you know, two separate entities and, 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 and give them the, the, the respect and, and time they both deserved. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to sell my Rufus Sport Gym and uh, I, I did okay with that. And then I, then I got to, you know, and, and that was also what I was talking about with, you know, my, my PTSD problems. I was kind of going through that. It wasn't helping. And I, I was becoming a, an unpleasant person. You know, I, I didn't like myself. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, I wasn't pleasant to be around. And, uh, you know, so I, I had to make a decision. And, and my decision was to, to uh, sell gyms and this, in this country on this consulting stuff. Cause that, that's what I really like, you know, that, and I, I was, I'm much better uh, security consultant and tactical advisor than I am a, a, a fighter instructor. So. Yeah. And I mean, the, the nice thing is you have this business now, but you can always still go to the gym. Oh, absolutely. Get, get, I, that, I, uh, get that out of your system. If that's something you're really wanting to do, or you can just go get a workout in or something like that. So. And I do it. I, I, I do it several times a week. I go do jujitsu. I don't like kickbox anymore. It's just, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I got like maybe two headshots left in me. So I'm not gonna, I don't need to get kicked in the head anytime soon. So yeah, I, you can go do jujitsu and, 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 and pace yourself and get a good workout, get to beat up on people. You know, I, I, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a great stress lever for me. You know, actually this, this shirt I'm wearing a good friend of mine in LA uh, named Jose Gasca. He's a Los Angeles, he, he was a, he, he worked with me in the Marine Corps and now he's a, uh, he's a Los Angeles police officer. And he started this nonprofit. It's, uh, you know, he, he understood the importance of getting like-minded people together and doing something, something combative. So he is a, you know, it's called fighting gold jujitsu and it's a, uh, it's a nonprofit. If, if anyone's in the LA area, they can, they can look him up and he'll, uh, he'll hook him up with a gi and a uh, mat time and stuff. And it, it, he's a wonderful guy to do wonderful things. So, you know, so that's what I do with my, my martial arts now. It, it's, it's, it's for my, it's my therapy, you know, and, and I go in there and, you know, beat people up and get my ass kicked by the other kids. It's, it's, it's not, it's not bad. Well, say his name and how to get a hold of him again. If he's doing that nonprofit and, you know, for anybody uh, listening, it's in the, something his name is, now. his name is Jose Gasca. He's in uh, he's a Los Angeles police officer. Uh, you can find him on Instagram and uh, Facebook at fighting hole Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So uh, yeah, outstanding organization. That's oh awesome. yeah. Well, so how did you get it? So, I mean, outside of getting to the point that you're at, how did you even get into MMA or like, what, what was that whole timeline? I was, uh, so, so my, my first job in the military, I was living in Virginia, uh, Riles High, Virginia Beach, and I was competitive, you know, I was playing, I wrestled and, you know, played sports, you know, and then I was playing college football and I just needed to compete. So I, uh, I started going to a, uh, kickboxing jujitsu gym, which I knew nothing about either in, uh, in, in in uh, Virginia at first in about within about two or three months, I'm like, dude, I can, I can start. I, I want to start competing, you know, cause I just wanted to do it. You know, I, I just, right. I, you know, I, I like, I don't care if I win or lose. I, you know, I, obviously I want to win, but I, I just like, I, I love getting there and just, and just fighting, you know? 
So for like two years, maybe even three years, I just drove up and down the East Coast on my weekends, you know, without my command's permission. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask that. No, no, I never asked. You know, I, I made a mistake of asking after like two or three years and they're like, ah, that, we don't think so. And I was like, all right, I'll never fucking ask you again, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I would just, I would go to tough band competitions, like fighting bars and just yeah. get the shit beaten out of me at Indian reservations. And I, you know, I'd, I'd find, I'd find fights wherever I could. Sometimes I'd fight like twice the weekend. And uh, that's exhausting. Though. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's just, I, I was a scrub fighting other scrubs, but you know, wasn't making any money until I moved to North Carolina and I got a little more situated and I, and I made a name for myself and I started fighting organizations and, you know, and uh, I was never a good fighter, but I fought for a long time. You know, you know, if, if I ever would have, I tell myself this now because I don't fight anymore. If I would have put more time and, you know, if I would have left the Marine Corps and said, okay, I'm going to concentrate on being a, becoming a fighter, I would have been better, but I liked my job. I was, it, it was my hobby, you know, and uh, Quite it was a good fucking hobby. Yeah, it was a good hobby for me, you know, and I, I made, I made a few bucks and it was, uh, you know, my ears got kicked off and beat the shit. But other than that, you know, I'm still kicking, you know, and it was, it was something important for me, you know, and, and, you know, that's what I was kind of saying before is, you know, the last time I got shot, all of a sudden, I'm no longer a gunfighter. I'm no longer a pugilist. I'm no longer a prize fighter. You know, I'm just fucking John Matter, you know, and I had no intent to mean just John Matter, you know, and, uh, that, that was, I struggled with that for a, for, for a good amount of time until I, till I, till I found my identity or rebuilt my identity, you know? We'll talk about that. I mean, I, so I, you know, the work that I do, so I had, I found my own path, right? I got out of the military. It took me about a year and a half before I finally went into the VA and I kind of pieced together what I needed. And now there's therapies that like do it. Right. So now it's right. part of me. It's like, God damn it. You tell me there's a workbook for that. I could have done instead of just right, right. bumping and, and, and figuring it out. Instead of just getting out and drinking and doing psychedelics. <laughs> I didn't do that. Apparently I, apparently I took the wrong route here. We got <laughs> MMA fighters and the workbook that he found and it, it all worked. I decided I was just going to get out and quote, find myself the way that I saw all the hippies do. Oh, yeah, did, just did you fucked up you, all the time? Did you find yourself? Yeah. I found myself in jail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, we should do where you were, right? Right. And then yeah. I decided, you know, this place isn't fun. I don't think I want to come back here. So uh, I'm no. going to go talk to the VA, figure out what else I can be doing. Right. And then yeah, I get so to I... talk to cool fuckers like you guys. So it's yeah. working out so far. I just got to stay on this path. Well, so right. this is it, right? This is one of these things is like, we actually, if we all go and decide that we're going to be, you know, Mr. House husband or whatever, and, and hide behind our white picket fences, like, I don't think that's it. Like we still have to have the, our connections with military people or military things. And, and when I started to bring back what I missed about the military and integrated that with my regular life, that was every day I got a little better. And, right. you know, I'm probably not there yet. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but like, I continue, you know, when I, when I talk to people, if I'm ever doing anything motivational or, or in a group format where folk, folks are listening to me, you know, I'll, I'll even insert language about goal setting with the idea of, of land navigation, you know, like we may, we may want to get two clicks away, but we got to do it a hundred, hundred meters at a time. You know, we've right. got to be able to, yeah. to right. find something to point at and start walking to. And, but we also have to know how long, how many steps it takes us to get there. We have to know ourselves, be a little self-aware. And I think even using that that metaphor, I think sometimes it can and pull us back in and remember how do, how do we even use to set goals? You know, right. like you say, you still use your, your five paragraph system. Like it works, bring, pull that stuff back in. Right. Well, in, in, in that five paragraph system, it also says what, you know, you, you talk about, 
you know, empty call, enemy's most probable course of action, empty door, enemy's most dangerous course of action. Say, so, so you plan in, this is what's going to go wrong during that, during that three click movement, you know? And, and so you can set up, you can set up barriers for yourself saying, if this happens, you know, because, you know, people lie to yourself, say, oh, failure's not an option. Bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's Bullshit. Silly, yeah. It is an absolute option. And it's, and it's, and it's, you know, and if, and if you're doing impressive things, you're going to fail in the process, right? Uh, you know, if you're, if your only goal is to, I don't know, you know, work at, work at a corner store, you know, you might become a very successful person, you know, as far as reaching your goals, because, hey, shit, I never fail. But if, but if you have any sort of lofty goal or any sort of impressive goal, you're going to fail. So if you set in those, hey, this is what failure looks like. This is what, this is what absolute failure looks like. And this is when I say, okay, I got to pop smoke. I go back to my, go, go back to start point and say, I got, I got to rethink this whole situation, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, and if, if you're confident and if you're confident in your impressive movements saying, Hey, you know, th this, my, my end goal is cool enough for me to fail once or twice in the process, you know, but if you got kids, like I had kids, you know, and if you, if you had a family, you know, I had a family, you know, that, that, that has to take precedence and, you know, say, okay, this is, this is what, this is what failure is for, you know, for John Matter. And this is what failure is for Matter family, which is two different things. You know, like I couldn't, I couldn't just say, oh, okay, sorry, kids, we don't have a house anymore because, you know, dad's swaying for the fence. Dad's swaying for the fences and fucked up, you know. So, you know, so it's, uh, you know, so it, it, you know, that was kind of going back to, you know, our, our original question is, you know, when, when I was getting out, I was, I was lucky enough to be successful. I knew what success felt like to me. You know, and I said, okay, I was successful in my military career, successful in my in my fighting career, and I was completely terrified to get out. I had no interest in getting out, but I was I was broken down, and you know, I was didn't get I, much of a choice at that point. No, yeah, they they, they showed me the door, and, and you know, and uh, you know, I had I had zero. What at, at the time I knew I had zero civilian life skills. You know, now I know that, you know. If you, if, all I gotta do is reword a few things, and, and you can become successful using using military kind of terminology and in mindset. And you know, goal setting is goal setting, and being successful is generic enough that you know you, you can kind of do it anywhere you want. But uh, you know, but at the time, you know, I, I had I had a wife that we weren't around each other for a long period of time, and when I retired, we kind of looked at each other and said, "Shit, we don't like each other." You know, we had we had very we had very pointed calm conversations like uh i don't like you yeah i don't like you either you know so you know and and i was too proud to get divorced you know because i didn't i said shit i lost the military i lost fighting i don't want to lose my family you know and and you know and i was too proud to say i was divorced that's something that my family doesn't do and uh you know so i struggled through a, a very unhappy marriage for, for several years and uh you know and I, I went and tried to, I, you know, and, and, you know, you brought the picket fence thing. I tried that. I said, okay, I'm no longer gunnery sergeant matter, gunfighter. I'm Mr. Matter, you know, you know, taker of kids to, to school, you know. And, <laughs> An entrepreneur. You know, and, and so I, so I, you know, I, I covered my tattoos up and I learned how to tie a tie, you know, and uh, I was working at this company and uh, it was a cool company as an engineering, as an engineering company. And, and I liked the job, but. I hated putting that tie every morning, put a tie on. I'm like, fuck, I hate myself, you know? And it, it you know, and then I would, you know, it, it just, it just, I wasn't, I had no interest in being Mr. Matter, no interest at all, you know? And, um, 
you know, I was lucky enough to sit out. Well, first I was lucky enough to be medically retired. So I made enough money to take chances, take a few chances, you know, and, um, that was, that was a whole process. That was a very stressful process because originally they said, I, I remember I, I put my paperwork in for retirement. And again, I was shot nine times, have three purple hearts. And I got my original paperwork back saying 0% disability, unfit for duty, you know? So they were, they were literally going to, they were oh going to, you know, drive me to the front gate and say, go fuck off, you know? And, uh, it, it, it hurt my feelings, you know, cause I thought they'd be like, you know, murder and then chant me out, like hear me right. out, like, or hero here and, and they, they're like get up get the fuck out you know and uh well long story short with that i end up having to stand tall in front of a, a board of colonels at the naval yard in dc you know explain to them hey this is what i did you know maybe this is why there's not a cause and effect you know i and, and they said well they said well we're, well you know we appreciate you coming and, and basically we're gonna take care of you or we're gonna do what's right for you and and i shortly after that i was I was medically retired properly, but I mean, that was a, that was a year process, yeah, you know, and that's that's a year process where I was just, I, I was angry with the military, which I didn't like, cause I liked the military. I wasn't proud of myself. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I, I lost my security clearances, so I wasn't acting in my capacity. So I was just kind of, you know, breathing other folks oxygen. You know, it, it was, it was a bad, my transition from military civilian was, was not the way I wanted it to happen. You know, and then I get out and I wasn't, you know, I should have probably went to the VA right away. You know, not should have. I, I probably I should have absolutely went to the VA right away. I started getting help, yeah. you know, but I said I could figure it out myself. And, you know, so I struggled for, for a couple of years. You know, I'm not very proud of who I was. And, you know, I wasn't drinking or, or doing drugs or anything more than I, you know, but I just wasn't happy with who I was. You know, I was having nightmares, waking up, pissed off, taking out of my kids and my wife. And, you know, I, I, I was an unpleasant person. You know, yeah. and uh, not that I'm a good person now, but I'm much more, I'm a much more pleasant person than I was even a year and a half ago, you know, and, uh, you know, and there's a direct correlation between liking who I am and being successful in the civilian world, you know, so it's, you know, and I, and I found a way to take my military experiences and say, you know, you know, like we were talking with the police department, you know, I know how to dominate situations with a gun or verbally. You know, and I know how to do it in a civilian in a civilian environment without, you know, knife handing folks and calling people dickhead and say, come here, shit brains. And, you know, so, you know, it, you know, it's so it, it, not that I have to figure it out by any means, but I figured it out enough that I'm comfortable where I am right now. And I, and I think I'm kind of going up. So I think one of the biggest issues I've, I've seen so far, and I know I was one of them, is you join and, you know, your skill set, in my mind, you'd come out. And then it's like, okay, well, just go apply for a job and be like, cool, I can shoot a motherfucker from this far away. <laughs> like, I can, I'll read the shit out of a map. Like, don't fuck with right. me. I, the land nav is my shit. Like, I can figure all this out. And trying to correlate all your skills that you actually obtained into a civilian word set that you can put on resumes that make sense to them. Right. And initially just finding the job in the first place. So I got out. And I'm like, okay, well, now what do I do? I was working under the table for 10 bucks an hour, renovating this diner in this small ass town where my folks live. I'm like, well, what are we doing today? Oh, we're going to put some flooring in. Oh, today we're going to put a drop ceiling in. I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything I've learned over the past four years. And I don't know how to apply any of that anywhere. Right. And nobody is there to help you anymore. And they, they put you through like your 
steps and taps and all that other crap. And it's really just them being like, yeah, so you'd fill out a resume and then you apply for the job. All right, go talk to the disability folks and see if you can get enrolled wherever. And I'm like, yep, yep. you put all this time and effort into learning whatever your job is. And it doesn't really matter what it is. You can apply skill sets out of there. There are a lot of jobs that are much more beneficial in civilian life. Like I had a, a buddy, he got made fun of for four years because he worked in the air wing. And now he gets paid like a little over six figures to paint right. fucking airplanes. And right. I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm the asshole here. Like, right. And and I don't I don't know how they can actually go about fixing that, but it, it seems like that was almost a similar issue for you. You get out, you have all these skills, but they've just not told you how to actually build off of that or what to do after that. They're just like, cool, thanks, thanks for it's your, your service. Too, go though. on. It's super right. hard to let go of that stuff. Like when yeah. your when your identity is curated upon uh, your merit, you know, like the things that you do is a big part of your identity. Well, then you get out and you're no longer that. You know, it's not how you're compensated anymore, which is a you know a big part of our motivation. Right. And so, how do you do it? Like you know, that's why I'll talk to folks about hunting and stuff like that. You know, John, you've been able to find different ways to apply it, but like, how can we take some of these things and apply them in some fashion of our lives? You know, I can get passionate about my work, but then I can also make sure I'm doing the other fun stuff too that I miss. Right, right. Well, you know, and, and I think it's important to know very simply how, how to civilianize the, the, the words you use to describe what you did, you know, because I've read resumes that, you know, that they talked about, they went to ranger school. Okay. Who gives a What's shit? What's that mean? Yeah. Right. They talked about, they're a, they're a six-time expert on the rifle range. Okay. Who gives a shit? You know, they talked about, you know, I was, oh, let's just say, hey, you know, I was a, uh, I was a sergeant in a motor, motor pool. Okay. Who gives a shit? But let's go back. You know, you had the dedication to be chosen one out of X amount of people to go to ranger school. You know, that, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you explain that. And you were an expert with, with your, with your, you know, with your issued rifle. That means that you put more work in than the average person. That's how you explain that. You're a sergeant in motor pool. And that means you were a, a 25 year old that was in charge of a million plus dollars worth of, of worth of equipment, you know, and if, and if people understand that it, it, it's as simple as that, that's how you explain what you did. You know, I, I could, I, I wish I had my original resume that, that I wrote when I was in like seven and a half, you know, and I just went, I, I listed all the schools I went to, which is, you know, if I was, if I was trying to get a job with a French Foreign Legion, I've been pretty badass, but <laughs> no one else was cared, you know, and, uh, you know, I, 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 list, I listed all my, my deployments, you know, which no one gave a shit about, you know, no, I never, I never handed this resume to anybody, but you know, my original resume was just, you know, all the cool shit I've done over the past 15 years. And, you know, I had no idea how to explain the civilian terms of, of what I was doing, you know, and I've gotten good at that. And I'm try I try to push that information out, you know, and, and that's what, that's, what's good about podcasts like yours is people say, Oh, okay. That, okay. I, I did that. This is how I explain, you know, to a, to a potential employer, you know, this is why I'm an impressive person. This is why you should hire me, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've actually given this speech. I, I, I spoke at um, General Jones has a, a thing called a, the Leaders of Industry Symposium. He's got big, big, big shots from all these big companies. And I went and talked and I said, this is what you could expect from, you know, E1. You know, if for some odd reason you get a, you get a 19 year old E1 in your, in, in your employee, you know, they're not going to be out of the box thinkers. You tell them, get their S7, get their S645, 
you know, they're going to shut the fuck up. They're going to get their work done. And when their task is done, they're going to be sitting outside your, your room or your, your office at progress waiting for another task, you know? And I went all the way to what I did at my rank and said, you know, this, this is what you can expect if you would hire me. You know, I, I'm going to be as close to a fire forget weapon as you get, you, you know, you, you give me, you give me an idea. I'll turn that idea into a task. I'll turn that task. I'll break that task down into, you know, smaller tasks. And I will, I will give you a finished product. And in, in when, when you tell me to get it done, you know, and then I will, I will, you know, I will tell you how to, to better that product next time. And I'll be waiting for your next mission, you know, and, um, you know, in, in that process, while I was trying to create this speech, I found out, okay, military people are, are impressive in that, in that way. You know, we, we can take, you know, what other, what other people are in college learning, you know, kind of intangible things. We're learning real tangible skills on accomplishing missions and, and taking suggestions, turning them into tasks, you know, or, or taking a task and saying, yes, sir, and, and grinding through it until it's done, you know, and I, and I think that's the most important important thing people need to know about the military that's not marine corps that's military period you know well the mission driven nature of people like i think in the civilian world people are driven by different motivations whether it's money or you know personal motivations whatever it is but like if you can get somebody a veteran excited about what you're trying to do with your organization you're gonna you have a different employee on your hands and you know something i was thinking of is um i got this buddy phil he did his full career uh, uh, infantry series, army guy, ranger qualified, um, did Panama and all that crap back in the eighties, nineties, whenever that happened and subsequent deployments, the rest of the way through this dude is now. So I started working with him. I met him doing an entrepreneur school down at Louisiana state university, which was part of a Syracuse thing. It's the entrepreneurship boot camp for veterans. And so cool. if veterans want to become entrepreneurs and you're greater than 30% service connected. You can go through a two week intensive training on entrepreneurship. It's, it's one of the best things that exists out there. Cool. And uh, um, John, you could do it now if you're bored enough and wanted a little help on how to further grow your, your business. Um, but I met him there because he was retired and moved up to Alaska where he'd bought property when he was active and uh, he was going to open a fly fishing business. And he did, and it was successful because it's, that's what he does. Right. And um, he was starting to figure out what his next mission was going to be. Cause he wanted to come back down to the, uh, the lower half. And I remember I was like, well, send me your resume. You know, he's like, I'm applying for jobs. I'm not hearing back. I don't get this. And so I was like, right. send me your resume. And sure as shit, it looked like a board packet. You know, it's like, I was like, uh, Phil, I hate to tell you, this this looks like shit. Like, like I understand everything you did, and I would hire you in an instant if I saw it. But nobody else will. Nobody right. who understands what you did will. And so, like, we kind of just kept sending it back and forth, and I kept kind of punching it up and changing things and talking to him more about each thing. And like, like you said with Ranger School, most people don't even know the prerequisites to even be able to get a slot. You know, like people right. don't understand the selection processes or the indoctrination programs they used to do when he did it, how to even get in there. And they, they don't understand the multi-phase. They, they don't understand the, the odds of a failure and what a failure looks like in a recycle rate. And like, just there's so much happening in there that once we were able to kind of conceptualize it, the next job he got offered down, in, uh, I think it was in like Savannah, Georgia. It was a high GS position for him. It was way above what he expected to even be qualified for. Oh, perfect. You know, though then he, then he gets to move his whole life down there. And what, mm-hmm. so of course, then he does that for two years. And he's like, I don't like working for the man. <laughs> dude he's now living in medellin colombia he just oh, cool. rebuilt a jeep wrangler from the ground up he's living the dream it's like get out of here phil i'm not gonna lie i don't know about living in colombia as the dream but there's a dude aside I think from that there's a there's an entire socom community down there of expats right all oh, dudes who are higher tier guys and so like they're all just these jacked 45 50 year old dudes with a bunch of toys and 
you yeah, know. they just got their own fob and you don't even know it, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> and so just thinking like, I just translate, like, just thinking of how do you, how do you, how do you take all that jargon and how do you make it deliverable for, for somebody else to digest, right? They're right. not going to eat MREs. You know, we got to, we got to, right. we got to enhance this a bit and get it. So it's, uh, it's palatable, not just potable. Um, uh, I was going to ask you, oh, sorry, go ahead, John. Well, I said, I say, and that should be, you know, when people figure out this, this, uh, this recipe properly, they would, they would be, they become successful. They become wealthy teaching this properly, you know, simply saying, Hey, you know, and, and that, that's a great thing. Military learn is, 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 is we take criticism better than anybody. You big, you're fat, you're stupid. Your resume looks like shit. And you look like a retired drink. Yes, sir. Tricks me. And then, you know, you know, and, you know, and if, and, and, and if you could sit down with somebody, you know, and, and give them an hour of your time and just kind of tell them your military experience and, and have them develop a resume. I mean, that, that's an, that, that would be a, a massive, you know, uh, multiplier for, for a, a young military person. You know, and, and for me, you know, I, I, I knew nothing, you know, I knew nothing about, you know, a, a gunnery sergeant Marine Corps, not, not me because of what I did, but from a wine company, they're in charge of, you know, they're, they're in charge of, of 200 people, you know, and, and we're, we're in the civilian world. Can you say, oh yeah, I, I was, I'm in charge of logistics for 200, 200 people. I mean, that's, that, that's an impressive right. thing right there that you don't think about saying because, oh, that was my job, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, and I, I imagine people are getting better at it because, you know, I'm not the first person to ever say this. So people understand that this is a, an absolute problem and something that needs, that, that, that needs attention of somebody, but I don't see them doing this in taps and seps. I don't see them doing this at, at, at the VA, you know, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an organization called VetsNet in Milwaukee that for a short amount of time, I was, I was there, uh, uh looking at people's resumes and, and doing just that, you know, kind of doing mock interviews and saying, Hey, Hey, this is what an elevator speech is. This is what it needs to sound like. You know, th this is, this is what, this is what you have to be able to hit in, 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 in these three minutes. You know, this is how you impress people with your military. No one cares that you shot people, you know, and, uh, it, you know, but I just, I just didn't have time to, to stay, you know, I, I was doing that as a, you know, at the, at just, just helping out. And so, you know, there, there, there's good things being done, but veterans, you know, and you gotta be your own advocate, you know, you, you, you gotta be able to say, Hey, this is, this is what I need to get, become more successful and go find that help. You know, and I, I was going to ask you, John, I know, um, you got medsept that you had to medically retire. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it last time I saw you, but I didn't actually straight up ask you why you didn't possibly pursue that uh, contractor life once you get out. So go work, you know, Blackwater or something like that. I have kids. You from the kids? only reason I, I have four kids, you know, and uh, you know, I, I missed my, my two oldest ones. I was deployed. I was in Afghanistan and Iraq for both of their births, you know, and uh, you know, as much as I want to stay in the military, the one silver lining saying, okay, I have the ability to be around my family like a normal person now. And, and I, and I was looking forward to that. You know, I have a, I am, I'm very close to my parents. I'm very close to my brothers and their families, you know, so I was looking forward to that becoming part of my life again. And, uh, you know, but, but, I, but I won't lie. There, there was a bunch of times where, you know, I'd say to myself, you know, I, I know where to go make $200,000 right now. 
you know, yeah, I, that's more I, what I, I was thinking. I was like you know, coming out and you were talking about the entrepreneurship and everything right. you were trying to figure out. And I'm like, yeah, I commend you. Cause it, that easy cha-ching, cha-ching rolling up in your eyes, just be like, cool. Well, I definitely have the skills. They'd be stupid not to hire me for 90% of these jobs out yeah. here. And I, and I've been offered, I, I still get offered, you know, and, uh, right now I'm, I'm, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to find my own path, but then I just kind of deep down, I knew, all right, I can, you know, I can, I can make the money I, I want to make and be around my family as much as, I, as much as possible. So that, that was my, the only reason I didn't go in, in contract is, is my family. Nice. That's good though. I'm happy for you. Cause that doesn't exactly sound like the best life either. There's a reason they pay you guys so much money to go out there. And it's not just because you have high set of skills. It's because it ain't exactly the safest jobs. I'm sure. Well, right. I mean, you have, you, you have no, no artillery support. You have no, right. no, you know, winged, you know, or, or, you know, or, or, or rotary support, you know, I mean, you, you, you're out there. Basically you don't have that flag on your shoulder anymore. You're, yeah. You're not doing, you're not doing tough guy shit. Like, like we were, but you're still expected to do some stuff that you're like, shit, I'm doing this afraid not alone or alone and not afraid you know so yeah. yeah so that that's why they're compensated the way they are yeah i think back like uh i, I don't want to not mention the point you talked about like the the senior manager that manages 200 people i think the big difference between the military and the civilian side is in the military when you're managing 200 people like the gunny would be you're not responsible just for their professional career development and the time that they spend in your organization you're responsible for their personal lives Right, you know, like like you're responsible for their ability and their medical care. You're responsible for coordinating all of that and managing that. And like, if somebody could find a way to to put that on their resume, it really is massive. Because in the civilian side, it, that just does not exist. Right, I can only yeah. imagine it on there. Just I, yeah, I used to stop all these E twos from marrying strippers. Fourteen percent, twenty two percent APR on their Mustang that they decided to buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. This this thing this this thing it like if an HR person at a corporation, you know, called you and said, hey hey John sit down, the fuck you gonna marry the stripper for? What kind of you know like hey hey you just bought you just bought a F three fifty you idiot like you know like yeah. what are you doing with that like you know, at at market at the barracks yeah at nineteen percent you know like you know you know so so you know to your, to, to you know to what you said you know they they are they they are they're, you're, you become a life coach. You know, you become, hey, man, I've seen you have, uh, this is your 11th STD. Maybe we didn't even talk about this, you know, <laughs> you know, and in the real world, that, that conversation would never happen. So these guys are, are more intimate with, you know, every part of their, you know, it, it's, you gotta, you gotta be, you know, if you know how to explain it, I keep saying, if you know how to explain what you did in the military, you could become an impressive civilian. Yeah, quickly, for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I remember. So I was a I was a line medic. Uh, so I would hop on and, you know, the next train out of town until we deployed, then I was attached. But um, I, we had this one guy who kept coming back into the clinic consistently. He'd be like, yeah, I got burned again. And, and I almost one time I finally looked at him and I was like, dude, I don't know if you're into this with me doing this to you, but I'm this is not my kink. I'll happily rod you off the range, buddy. I'll make sure there's nothing down there. But I have to tell you, I don't enjoy this like like you might. So if you enjoy it, tell me, fine. All right, at least I know what you got coming into the game. But 
No, we had uh, sergeants that would purposely come out and be like, hey, if you got any issues, come see me. And they always thought it was a joke. Like, oh, I'm not going to go to him. He's a sergeant. Why would I go tell him anything? He's just going to fuck me up or make me police call the barracks or something. Right, right. And we finally had one E3. It was like two weeks in. He, he, he's like, I, I got to go. T I won't throw names, but he's like, hey, sergeant, uh, I got this issue. And he's like, well, what's going on? He gave him all the details. He's like, yeah, it sounds like you might have the clap. Uh just tell Doc you need some of those malaria pills, man. Take those shits for like a week. It'll be set. And I'm like, this is my life. This is what it is. I stand outside my barracks room and I listen to sergeants give lower junior Marines STD advice. Like, this is great. Right. My recruiter never told me I'd be like a low-key drug dealer for the military that guys could come to you. Hey, yo, I got the sniffles, man. Like, I got something for you, buddy. I got a cocktail. Oh, yeah. I got you. And they used to give us all kinds of stuff, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> no, most we got from the corpsman was uh, some some nice IVs after a long weekend. We had to be buddies with them, obviously. That's that real lifesavers right there. Right? Hey, man, that's training, right? Anytime yeah. I got to hook somebody up, that's training. The right. cool thing was, I won't, again, only because I don't know if they want their name mentioned is the only reason I'm not mentioning names. But uh, we'd Just have a say enough so that like, if they listen to it, they'll at least have a chuckle. Right. Be like, there was a specific corpsman that uh, if, if you were regularly bothering him with this kind of shit, he started making you train on it. So he'd be like, cool, well, you can put your own fucking IV in. I'll tell you how to do it. Be like, what? Just help me out, Doc. He's like, nope, you're going to do this. And he'd just point and tell you. I'm like, okay. This is weird. Right. Dude, how do you think yes. we learned how to do it? Like, they initially, I think the first time we stuck, they have this like simulation arm, but you're sticking it. And in a rubber hose, it doesn't feel the right, same. Right, right. So you just you'd set your arms out there and just go for it. And everybody's at some point, like everybody's just all hacked up and blown yeah. up. Like oh, if yeah. you got a real life emergency, the ER crew would be like, "We can't do shit for you. You're everything's blown out." Right. Yeah. Or uh, they use you for demonstrations. So be like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna show everyone how to do this in case you need to do it at some point." And they'd look around, they'd figure out who's asked for the most IVs after long weekends. Be like, all right, yeah, Simmons, come here. Shit. And I'd be yeah. like, okay, try and put my arm out there for him. And they're like, oh, no, no. How about we try and go through the hand this time? Motherfuckers. Right? Yeah, sure. Why not? Through the hand it is. I remember I, I was a new line medic to this company. And as I was trying to build my street cred with these guys, because you have to, right? Um, and so I put on a training about IVs for everybody as part of a combat lifesaver course. And I demonstrated with my, one of my good buddies. And uh, as I started to go through the IV process, I land this, I used the largest needle I had just as, as a joke to mess with this dude. So I slam him with a large bore needle. And as I pull it out, I'm holding pressure on the catheter so he doesn't bleed. And then I turned around to everybody and I showed with both hands. I was like, it's really important that you push. And, and all of a sudden he's like with his arterial bleed. <laughs> he must've he drank the night before. Cause it was, it was going. Oh man! And so then I had this spurt, spurt, spurt. And I did it on purpose as a way to, he starts laughing. I was like, cause otherwise that'll happen. And I was like, at, at that point I had the respect of my peers. Oh, Adam, you'll probably know what this is. I can't remember what the hell it was called, but it was that, uh, shit that goes right into your sternum that really yeah. you have to like shove down what is that called intraosseous um what's the word infiltration yeah uh, if that's it's like with kids one. you do it in their shin bone with adults you do it in their sternum. the ultimate yeah. idea right yeah so yeah. uh we had our whole battalion so they only wanted to or demonstrate it till one time 
So the whole battalion is like circled up and they asked for a volunteer. Luckily it was somebody from a different one, but yep. I'm like, okay, we're going to volunteer. And this dude's going to get this crazy sternum spike. And he was a uh, big old huge giant guy. And you're thinking that's not going to be that big a deal. And that dude was crying. Yeah, fuck that noise, dude. Bawling Uh almost. I'm like, yep, nope, fuck that. I don't ever want that, whatever that is. Respect to the the corpsman and respect to the dude who let that happen because that's one of those things you generally don't like. Oh, no, it was brutal because you you see him like try and put his weight into it and then it didn't go all the way through. So he had to do it again. I think he did it three times trying to make sure that it went all the way down. That's awesome. I'm like, nope. Yeah, that's like that big dude didn't try to throw him off. Right near your. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. No. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Good training. I saw dudes with no legs getting tourniquets put on that didn't scream as much as that fucking kid. <laughs> Life changes when a little adrenaline hits the system. Yeah, that's for sure. Right. Jesus. Right. So we we kind of glossed over your military career. We've jumped around a little bit, but like, you know, is is there a good funny story that needs to be told out of your military career or anything that's you know that we haven't heard yet? We already heard the poop story though, so yeah. Stay, but I got a, I got a couple of poop stories. I told you my dirty person story. Uh, yeah, I you know I can't think of anything that, that popped in my head. That's I, I kind of went blank. You know, I, I had a what about yeah, funny run-ins with locals or something. Uh, well, I, I guess you know I, I was always a good swimmer, and uh, I was at my buddy's my buddy's wedding in Jamaica, and I jumped off the like the third story, and. Uh, jumped off third story into the water and then the security came after me and I ran into the ocean and I was out like, I was probably a hundred yards out and they're yelling at me, you gotta come back. And I was like, I was like, fuck you. I was like, I can, I can tread water. To, I said, you guys work nine to five. I said, I'll tread water to you. Have to, you have to switch and I'll swim away. And <laughs> I was like, I was like, I guarantee I can stay out here longer and you, you, you need to stay out here. You know, so it's, and, you know, and I was, I was yelling back, don't tell my name. <laughs> was that Myrtle beach? No, that, that was in Jamaica. <laughs> I've got a bunch of I got a bunch of Myrtle Beach evasion stories too, but that's uh, that's yeah. where I got in the most trouble. Never got arrested though; they couldn't get me. We we jumped into the New River. I escaped from the police through the New River a few times and out into the ocean. You know, but uh, dude, what's funny is you're probably in a cab riding towards downtown, and some guys are thinking about what bar they're gonna be, and this guy's picking out egress routes by right. bodies of water. He's like, "All right, this river's traveling north to south." I do have a, I, I do have a, a kind of a goofy story. So my, my best friend, Tom Saunders, um, uh, he was a, he, he worked for the army tier one groups and he was a Marsoc legend. Um, uh, Godfather, my, my kids died in a helicopter accident, but, um, uh, Godfather, my youngest and, and me and him were together for, we, we, we were young Marines together. We lived together. We, you know, he was, he was always with me. And uh, we we get we get in, we get this uh, this kind of uh, uh, reconnaissance mission to, to, to go watch this intersection. So we drive uh, uh, so we get we, the night before we get this truck. It's a it's a, a white bongo truck that there's ten thousand of them. You know this like every truck you see. And uh, I go to the motor pool, and I just had a bad feeling. So I, I I talked to this last girl in April. I said I I said I need some sort of bulletproof glass in this. Yeah. You know. And actually, I talked to the sergeant. The sergeant's like, can't happen, dude. He's like, we have nothing to, you know, I was like, come on, man, you know, I got to figure it out. So this little redneck, uh, you know, Lance Corporal's like, I think I can figure it out, you know. Next morning, go to, go, you know, go to the motor pool and there's, there's a Humvee glass jammed inside this 
this this little uh, bongo truck and it had a um, wooden frame around, like a wooden hinges holding it in. And I was like, thanks bro, gave him a hug and, and uh, Tom and I went on our way. And so we're sitting kind of hunched down and um, this guy walks out about 35 yards, you know, 40 yards ahead of us. He just stopped, turned and just started hammering our vehicle you know, with, with an AK. And uh, remember, so me and Tom both laid down. I threw the car from the passenger seat I threw the car in reverse and he just hit the gas and we just bounced off cars going backwards. That was our, that was our degress, you know, and uh, we crashed down the road and got out and we, you know, we peeled out and kind of bounded back and, uh, and, and got into a house and then got, they came and got us. And, you know, that happened and it, it was, it, it was, it was a crazy ass situation and, and we didn't think much about it. Well, a few months later, uh, we're having a change command, I remember, and and they bring out this they bring out this uh, something in a, in a sheet, um, poncho line over it, and I look and it was the Humvee glass this, this Lance Corporal put in the thing, and so they put it up where I was sitting. There was two rounds, perfect right in my face. So if I wouldn't have so this, this dickhead would have shot me right in the head, you know, and uh, I still have that sitting in my bar in my, in, in my bar in my in my barn. You know, and uh, that 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 kind of reminds me. You know, stop bitching about life, and you know, it's not yeah. not the funniest story, but it's a it, it's a good, you know. Yeah, but thanks to some shithead Lance Corporal who probably got shit on all day, and he was just like, whatever, I'll figure something out. Right. He he could have easily said that can't happen, and just went and went and you know went to sleep. But you know, he probably spent it. It, it wasn't it. He probably spent a few hours putting it together. You know. And I never got to go say, say thanks to the kid because I didn't really think about it. You know, we, you know, we, we got back, refitted and, and went back out and said, yeah, let's not go in any cars anymore for a while, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that was just, you know, when I think of Tom Saunders, you know, I, I, I think about that, that. That's one, that's one of our, our more PG stories that I can tell on in front of the camera, you know, him and I, him and I did, we, we did well together. You know, he's my best friend. He, and it's good though. You know, he disappeared for a while, went and worked with the army and disappeared one day. And, you know, we just, we just went back to work together. It was, he, he's a good man. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. And it's, it's good and hard to hear stories about dudes like that. Cause I feel like when you hear those stories, you know, those are the dudes that, man, you wish they still were, were standing around, you know, the good guys, you know, why can't that other guy who, who would have gone to bed too easily without replacing, you know, right. doing something about that? Why can't that guy have been caught up in something? Right, right, right. Early? You know, but that, I mean, that's, it's probably happened 10,000 times and in, you know, 9,999 times, you know, nothing happens. You know, it's, we just got lucky that one time we got to talk to kid into doing the right thing. And, you know, he, he hooked us up and, and we weren't, you know, we, we were guests at that, at that, at that base, you know, we, we had, we had no influence over his, you know, anything that he did. You know, so it was cool for that kid just to kind of hook us up. You know, and he had no idea who we were or what we were doing. He was just this good-hearted kid that, you know, that that took his skills and, and, and helped out. But you know, you know, I I did. I I have I have very few things. You know, I, I got shot. I remember the first time I got shot in my leg. I remember thinking, you know, as a as a doc, you will appreciate this. I'm thinking, oh motherfucker, I'm, I'm I'm cramping up, man. I got I, was like, I feel like. <laughs> I got a high pickle break. juice. Yeah, I was like, I damn crap in the middle of a firefight. I'm like, that, that's a, that's a bitch move, you know. <laughs> you, know that, you know, and then it didn't hurt until someone's like, Matter, 
I think you're bleeding. I was like, I am bleeding, you know, and, you know, and like we were talking about before, you know, it's not like if you made a movie about it, you know, I'd say something cool, like, oh, I don't got time to bleed, but in real life, say, yeah, Jesse, real life sure like, hey, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then you know, drag it on my leg like a little girl, but it's, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, we got, we, we got to a big firefight where I was kind of out, I was out and about with, uh, doing a sniping mission in an entry unit got got hit pretty hard and we made our way in there to um just to help out on the radio and to help triage and stuff and that unit took almost 100 percent casualties and and uh i was shot that day in my leg and in my stomach and there was two guys two guys left in this you know and i and i said hey fellas we're, we're not gonna fucking make it you know and i went upstairs uh to find a find a shooting position and uh, we were in this house for hours, many hours fighting. And um, I went upstairs to find a shooting position and I get punched in the side of the head by, by some dude that was up there waiting on us, you know. He, he was up, I have no idea how he was up there, you know. And I, I teach a lot of uh, self-defense and in, 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 in combative fighting kind of stuff now. And I, I use this very specific experience because at the time I was a professional fighter and in my head, I always kind of fantasize, I'm like, oh, I'd wreck some dude, you know, I'd be, I'd be dancing around and being sexy and moving in and out and, you know, but in real life, the fight was, was massively aggressive and, and barbaric and, you know, you know, knuckle dragon snarling, you know, and it was a 30 second fight. And, and that kind of popped me out of my little, what was me? And after I was done with that feller, I went back down and told the guys, okay, man, let's, let's fucking let's see if we can diddy mile, you know? And uh, again, I was shot my stomach and my legs. So I wasn't moving real good. So I throw this dude uh, on my shoulder and we just, we just went, I had, we had to get about a block. You know, we got about a block down to our, to our extract vehicle. And uh, as we were moving, um, a sniper shot through him and the bullet went through his hips, hit my shoulder and popped through my neck and out the back of my head. And then, you know, done me out, but uh him and uh, the the gentleman and myself are still living. You know, we, we talk often, and uh, you know, so it's a uh, you know not a funny story like you're asking, but that's one of my more memorable stories that that I use. You know, I, I I've I've taken that pretty shitty experience and, and developed a few good life lessons for myself, and, and I speak on them often. You know, and, and that's that that that's given me credibility when I teach these self defense class to police officers and stuff, and I say, hey this is what you think you're going to look like in a fight. This is what you are going to look like in a fight, you know, do yourself a favor and, and make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're low level because that's what's going to happen is, is enough to kill a bad guy, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a shit day, but you know, learn some stuff from it. You say, it sounds like you took that really crappy experience and you were able to take it, flip it and now help people benefit from that shitty experience, which is, in terms well, day, good, so it, it, and it wasn't day one you know that was a lot of that was a lot of honestly going to the va and figuring this shit out right. and, and you know and and and, and learning you know this something as, as simple as learning how to sleep at night you know changed my life but you know so this this came with with this the way i i approached that specific situation came with my healing and how i look at life now you know and how i how i approach problems now as opposed to several years ago when I was, you know, I'd get pissed off and it'd be, un, you know, 
uh, not not fun to be around, you know. So right. you know, it, this 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 was a coming to that conclusion was a was kind of a journey where I'm at right now, you know. And not that I'm have anything figured out. I'm still a fuck up, but I'm 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 a little more successful fuck up than I was a few years ago, you know. So there's nothing wrong with. That. I was telling Adam I was excited to have you on, and one of the reasons was I remember when I was like therapy that's for bitches like only bitches go to therapy and i wanted right. to act like i was hardcore right. knowing that right. there's guys like you out there though i'm like this fucking dude has done shit i couldn't even dream of doing but that was always a fear in my head i was like because if i went to therapy and then i talked to a guy like you you're gonna look at me like look at this fucking bitch he ain't even do anything and has to go to therapy and it's just nice to hear someone that's gone through the, th- the shit that you've gone through the experiences you've had to deal with to be open enough and man enough to come out and be like, yeah, I did all that crazy shit and I can go get help. And it's beneficial. Cause I think a lot of guys need to hear that. Cause it doesn't matter if you were in the air wing, you worked in the chow hall, you shot Artie, you were a medic or your goddamn recon sniper. Everyone kind of has that weird, no, I'm too tough and I can't go to right. therapy and I can't seek that help out and hearing somebody who's definitely experienced some very bad shit come out and be like, it helps me. It's just nice to hear. So, well, I think it's a, it's a problem for men in general, you know. And when they make that step, you know, like I did, I don't care, and I know no one else cares if you were a, a Air Force reservist, or you know, or a you know, a you know, spaceship gunner. They they could care less what you did. It, it's you know, it, it's that brotherhood, especially at the VA, is 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 close enough that. You know, we all have very similar problems. Some some problems come from shooting guns. Some problems come from seeing shit happen. But it's you know, it, it's all generic enough that you say, okay, you know, I, I you know, I, I can pull from this guy's problems and and, and relate and relate and relate. You know, it's it, it's a uh, it, and I understand because it, it was a big problem for me. You know, I I and I was at, I was on like I said I was on the mind or, or or I was on a team of hey, it's good to get therapy. It's that shit's just not for me, you know, like, you know, like, right. like if, if you need to be a pussy and get therapy, that's cool. But, you know, you, you could be a knuckle dragon like me and just eat steaks and drink, drink whiskey and, you know, and suck it up. But that shit takes you so far. You know, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, all right, I'm fucked up, you know, and, right. and, and I, I can go get the help. The help's there. Just fucking, it's, all I got to do is ask for it. And then I quickly realized, you know, my, my intent um, was, was I say, I, I want to take, I want to get one profound thing per month. You know, I, I want to make one breakthrough per month. You know, what, what happened in real life is every week there was several times a week that something happened. And I said, holy shit, I need that. You know, and I was making also, also I started making progress. Just like you go to the gym, you make progress quick. You're like, hey, life's good. You know, like, you know, I'm not a fat piece of shit anymore, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you start making this progress and you start, I said, wow, I, I slept all night. I haven't had a nightmare in, in, in then, I also had a, a time where I told my therapist, I said, unfortunately, I haven't been tested yet. I haven't been put to a point where I have to make a decision where, you know, my, my, uh, what, what's that mental state, you know, I'm, I'm at like a 90 and I'm, I'm getting ready to freak out and, and, you know, I'm having like, like kind of a pre, you know, almost pre- fight or flight moment. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through this fight or flight and I haven't been tested where I can breathe and do this, you know, your, your gay breathing technique and get back down and, you know, say, okay, this, you know, but, but the fact was I was tested as many times I was prior to my, my, my therapy. I just knew, okay, 
this, this is a trigger that's going to make me start feeling this way. When I start feeling this way, I need to do this, this, and, you know, and it, it, it became automatic. And, and in, instead of me saying, okay, this is a situation where I'm freaking out and this is a process I have to go with, go through to get back into a, a good mindset. I just avoided that, that whole freak out part altogether, you know? And then I wasn't having panic attacks about going to sleep thinking, great, I'm going to have these fucking nightmares and I'm going to have a shit night and then I'm going to have a shit day tomorrow. I'm going to be pissed, you know, I didn't have that. So I, I was avoiding that. So I wasn't having them internal conversations with myself. So I was avoiding them that, that, that fake, that fake stress that I was putting on myself, you know, and all of a sudden I was just becoming a healthier person without even noticing it. And then I had to step back and say, holy shit, this stuff really does work. You know, like I, I'm a better person now because I'm not having anxiety attacks and I'm not having, you know, and I'm, I'm sleeping now and I'm not, you know, I'm not freaking out about whatever stupid shit. And I'm not and, and my physical pain went down because I wasn't tense all the time. And it, 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 you know, and all of that happened kind of behind the scenes. There, there was no like. I, I didn't go and pull some big switch and say, okay, I'm not fucking crazy anymore. <laughs> so it's, you know, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. And, and, and again, I know this isn't a, this isn't a VA podcast, but you know, I, I the, the VA did that for me, you know, the, the VA, the very specific groups. And uh, I, I don't know if I should say his name. He's a, he's a, he's a specific person at the VA and he, he's just a good dude, you know, and actually I'm going to say his, his name is, is uh, Doc Fisher and the dude's, a, he's a stud. And, and he he understands going to talk to you, and he's not he's not a military guy, and uh, he's he's you know the guy's just a he's a miracle worker. He, you know, if you go in and ask him, he's like, hey, how's your day? You know, and he, he'll talk to you like a, he, he's a good person. You know, and and I and and fortunately, there are many people like him at the VA that I have don't have experiences with that other people do. The VA is a good place for them. You know, and if I guess if you know, I don't know if if you want there to be a, a theme or, a, or a, something to take from every, every one of your conversations, but if there is anything that, you know, go, if you, if you think you're fucked up, go get help, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and it, it, it's embarrassing. I'm still embarrassed walking through the doors every single, like, you know, building 43 at Milwaukee VA. That's, that's the fucking kind of where the nuts go, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a mental health place. So, you know, I'd rather go and say, Hey, my toes hurt, you know, but that's not, that's not my fact. My fucking mm-hmm. facts are, my brains are fucked up and I need to go in there and get, you know, and, and I walk out, I'm a better person. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm okay with doing it. I, w- I wish I didn't have to, but I, I got, I got, I got stuff, you know, it's just something that I got to do right now. So yeah. you're an old Ford pickup at this point, man, you got to take care of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I've noticed, you know, you, you spend a day or, you know, a week or two without, you know, without revving the engine, you know, and you, you start saying, Oh, I can see, I can see myself, fucking up again you know so yeah i like to think of it like that as like you know we're just a bunch of old pickup trucks and we got to figure out how to keep ourselves running if we're going to figure it out you know a good good preventive maintenance schedule you know if if therapy's a part of it you know your brain's your most powerful thing keep that thing up and running right well you know the more you get to know me my brain is is not very powerful but uh i appreciate yeah (laughs) i'm just here to pump you up man i'm just here to (laughs) blow air up your skirt Right. right. I had a I had a joke that I don't think I'll get a, a chance to fit back in, but I, I have to make it. It's like uh, you and your buddy share a girlfriend. He's your Eskimo brother, right? Right. You and that buddy who shared a bullet. What the fuck are you guys? Right. He he actually calls and talks shit because that bullet went through his hip. So I have his ass in my neck. 
So, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he reminds me of that often. He's like, uh, you don't know, he's yeah. my ass. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I fucking do know that, you gross ass. Cheek, yeah. And I didn't know that fucking kid till that day, you know. Oh, man. So, yeah. Those are those ones uh, where you, you hear people, like, we can laugh about it, but if some civilian was to listen to that part <laughs> of it, they'd just be like, what the fuck? I was waiting for you to to have the comeback, or you'd just be like, "Oh yeah, I got you got my ass in your neck." You'd be like, "Well, I wouldn't fucking have it if you could have just walked your happy ass something like." And you know, it's all shitty situation, and he had no control over it. You have no control over it, but you just got to keep digging at each other just for the fun of it, because you know neither one of you actually means anything negative right. by it. Well, there was there was a small time, like even in that house, I'm like, "All right, now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a a run for it." He's like, "I don't think I can make it." And I was like, "Come on, bro." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like man. you know, like, you know, like I, I don't know if I can carry your fat ass. You know, like, like, you know, like, well, all right, let's see what happens here. You know, it's like this sucks, bro. You know, but uh, <laughs> oh. yeah, I love that stuff. I miss be- before you pick somebody up and you'd be like, seriously, you couldn't have lost a couple pounds before this. <laughs> You're on full feeds right now, right? Getting you ready right. for the county fair. Oh, jeez. Right, we were. I, I did. I was like, "Hey, Jensen, some of that shit, man. Like, we'll, 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 it, we'll, you know, Sips would be cool with it. Just, you know, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Sips is not cool with it. I've definitely learned that. I, actually, I right before that, I had all my all my communication gear. I, I broke my I broke the scopes out of my sniper rifle. I I had all my all my radios. And I threw a, 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 a incinerator grenade on it. And I remember my bosses afterwards, like, bro. It would have been a lot easier if you would have died. Like we got to, like how we get explained. Oh, I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, the mountain of paperwork. I remember we right. were right. in Western Baghdad, and uh, they had actually used a cord, a cord detonated ID, and so their timing was impeccable. And uh, the, I remember you talked about the bullets in the glass in front of you in that bongo truck, but yep. their eleven, their M eleven fourteen up armored Humvee, like they had the, the front windows were smushed in, like a, a volleyball had come into the window like that and then the thing ended up burning to the ground and when they finally did their loss report one of the dudes had the balls to claim his psp his little playstation thing oh man and i'm like dude you're liable to get an article 15 for that shit man you're not supposed to have that stuff in zone they actually reimbursed him for it oh shit lucked out but that guy was our, our he was our designated shooter or marksman for our platoon and so his rifle was gone his his long gun was gone he still had his m4 but they all the ammo blowing off at the end of it like we were just essentially the only thing we didn't have in our hands was a can of beer you're just standing back watching the truck burn to the ground because that's all you have to you gotta wait for it to be done i've got photo i got photos of that too still i can remember what our dm carried rifle wise i can't remember what the hell he had well they carry for a while they're carrying m14s which is is then they're 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 carrying uh uh you know uh 308 uh, gas guns you know which is a which is a uh, you know a, a ar-10 essentially um i don't even know what they shoot right now you know i mean honestly if you shoot a 77 grain 223 round you put some on their ass with it you know they're they're that's what i was shooting you know we had all we had every gun you could ever 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 want you know when i was shooting mx3 which is a which is a, a fully suppressed 308 you were talking about the uh, remington 700 right Rent and old well, Remington is, is an M40. You know this this your this your 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 basic uh, issued sniper rifles. Uh, basically a Remington 700 with a Schneider barrel, a McMiller stock. You know, um, 
you know, they're wonderful, but you don't want to be in a fucking gunfight with a bolt gun, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, so it's, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're, cool, they're cool to take pictures with. Like, first week you get there, you take your pictures and put that bitch in a box. <laughs> like, you know, hope it doesn't rust, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the hilarious side of it, you know? Like, like look at everybody's tricked out deer rifles now because of OEF, OEF, you know? Right. I got dudes that are going out there with floating barrels and all. I'm like, what are yeah. you doing? Just use your grandpa's 30-06, <laughs> man. Yeah. Right. I got a Ruger 300 Win Mag. That's my deer rifle. Like, he's a deer rifle. Well, I remember, dude, I'm from Texas where everything's usually bigger. So if you're hunting elk or something, 300 Win Mag's a normal thing. Up here, the deer are a little smaller. Okay. Yeah, you Cut could me some slack lines. here. You can end bloodlines with that. You know, okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm one of those dudes who jumped on the 6.5 Creedmoor train. Yeah. And I couldn't be more satisfied with that thing. That, that's cool. a fun round though so me and my um i, I have a, a group of snipers we, we and we we called our little group the c7 and we developed a 6.5 creedmoor which we actually went into production and we sell it it's um it is the smoothest shooting it's a gas gun and and that's a that's a 12 1500 yard gun all day that's and uh i'm very 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 happy i'm very proud of that gun and uh we, we have a line i have a line of signature series rifles that 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 i kind of put my my ideas and my honestly my name behind you know everything from a 300 blackout all the way to this 6.5 creedmoor but the 6.5 creedmoor is kind of our flagship and it's uh myself and in um and, and actually some of the snipers are still active so you know so we're, we're talking you know and and they're and uh two of the active guys that that are on this on this team of ours um they're both uh warrant officers gunners you know so they're they're weapons experts and and they're both very successful snipers in their own right, you know. So we sat down and developed a six-five Creedmoor, and it basically we said, "Hey, this is what this is what it needs to be, you know, in order to be the ultimate gas gun, gas gun." You know, I don't know if we call it a sniper rifle; it's a gas gun. It's a, it's a, it's you know, but it's a it, it, it's a it's a sub-minute gun. Uh, it it, it I, I couldn't be happier with this gun. It's a MGS made it for us actually, and uh, we, just, we just moved from MGS to a place called uh, Blacked Out Arms. And uh, they're out of they're out of uh, Wisconsin, actually out of uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin. And uh, and we sat down with him, and and we we basically said, you know, this is what we want it to look like, and we want it to perform like. So if it, if you can't do exactly this, you need to go fuck off. And he uh, and and he 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 took every single thing we we required, and he made a a really really cool gun out of it. So, you know, if I was was looking for a badass, super expensive six five Creedmoor, you know. <laughs> that'll outshoot anybody it's uh blackout arms makes it for us and it's, it's just a beautiful gun well you think i think that that uh that caliber that chamber solves the problem between iraq and afghanistan i think the the 556 or 223 in iraq is for most people pretty adequate but then right. you go to afghanistan and it's you know you're not you don't have enough energy and right. but you also don't want to carry around a broomstick all day and so i you know i think they were trying to solve that problem four or five years ago and they took a contract from somebody but you know, I, I'd be I'd be really curious to see how that one would play out in your with your standard line troop in, in a AO like Afghanistan. It, I mean, if if the military went to six five Creedmoor, it, it would you know I, I think a three hundred eight's too big and bulky, you know. But a six five Creedmoor, it's fast, it's flat, it, it has it has similar characteristics ballistically as, as a five is a is a two twenty three five five six round, you know, because it's fast and flat. But you, you get the knockdown power, you know, and, and it's got it's so fast. You know what it what it lacks in in mass, 
it, yeah. it makes up for in velocity it, it'll it'll it will it will wreck your ass you know it will uh you know we, we shot i have you know i have hundreds of ballistic uh you know we, we we've shot you know hundreds of ballistic gel rounds or, or rounds through ballistic gel and I was more impressed with the internal ballistics of a 6.5 than I was of just a plain uh, hollow point 308, you know, bolt tail 308, you know, and that, uh, yeah, you know, the 6.5 kind of flies like a seven millimeter mag. It's got, or, or, you know, a 270s flat round real fast, a lot of velocity, as opposed to your 300 wind mag, which these are all, these are all 30 cal rounds. You know, your, your, you know, your 300 wind is, is basically like throwing a fucking softball through someone's chest, you know, <laughs> you know at, at like 10 miles an hour, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you that's know. why I work on my shot placement, okay? <laughs> you know, I started looking at some of the the charts on those. I was like, I don't want to be lobbing lobbing rounds in. Like I just I just want to I want to minimize my error, right? Like in the Wisconsin deer hunting community, I'm not taking anything beyond 250 odds. Oh. You know, there's a, I could take some 500 yard shots if I wanted to, but I'm probably not gonna. Right. You know, I'll just get in a little closer. I'll my wood hopefully my woodsmanship will make up for that. But um you know, so then, then what, right? Do I need to, to bring this thing in? And when I, when I got into bow hunting, I started to go with fast, flat arrows. I went with a lighter, uh, a lower grain. And I was, I was just impressed with how, how fast I was hitting the target. And for me with bow hunting is when you, when the, the, the sound is that close for me, I've got to have something flying, you know, right. a, a third of a second means a big difference uh, in deer hunting. So like, just trying to apply the same stuff. And it's nice to see that but I made a good choice with my deer rifle, you know, it's, and oh, I love it. Place yeah. Yeah. yeah that six and a half. My first experience I got to, I was fortunate enough to go do that vortex uh, spot with them. Right. They took right. me out to Lodi and Lodi has a thousand plus yard range that I got to shoot on. I haven't got to shoot that far since I was still in the Marines. And I was like, Oh hell yeah, this is awesome. I get to use this dude's setup six and a half Creedmoor. First time I got to shoot this caliber. This is awesome. I'm like, yeah, I don't expect to hit that man target over a thousand yards away because, well, it's my first time sitting within three right. shots. I was hitting it and the dude was just like, perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, this, that, and the other things. Like, oh, yeah, no, you got a nice prone position, feet are flat, everything's looking good. Just, yeah, it's already set up for you. Just normal breathing technique and you'll be on target. Right. And I was like, okay, cool. And we, yeah, three shots in. I was like, this is a crazy round because. Yeah, I barely had to do anything, and I can get on target with this. This is dope. You know, if you, if you think of shooting at three hundred eight plus thousand yards, the the mass trajectory of that round is about fifty two feet. You know, so so if 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 you can picture, you know, shooting over a five story glass building, you know, that, you know, and in, in, in what what the wind's doing at that, you know, at at, at fifty two right. feet in the air, you don't you don't know. You know, the sniper doesn't know. You know, I mean, you, you can you can guess and you, you you do all the math to make sure that you know what you're doing, but. You know, are, are you doing the math at, at you know, at 100 yards where the, the bullet's still going at 2,600 feet per second? Are you doing it at, at 900 yards where the bullet's slowed down significantly and it's, start, it's starting to yaw so there's more surface area, you know? And with that 6.5, you don't have to think that much into it because it's going so fast. It's, got, it's not going to affect as much. It's still, I mean, you still got to do the math, you know? Right. But, yeah. it, but, but because of the velocity of that round, you know, the, the you know, weather and wind is, is going to affect that much less. It, it's a cool round. You have to hold less, you know, you, you don't have to make any scope adjustments up to a certain right. point. I think for deer yeah, hunting, cool. for me, that's what I want is I, I'm not going to say, I can't sit here and start, you know, four clicks at a time. I can't do that. I don't have time for that shit. Right. Um, no, I'm know, taking so the think, ACOG uh, way of doing it where it's set already. I know what the, the actual center is and I know what the right. next line is going to be. And I'm just going to try and judge it in between that. 
which is good to a point until you're really throwing the round up, you know. Yeah. Right. Which fucked me over this season. But <laughs> a whole other conversation. I still zero to 100, 100 yards. I don't zero to 250 like a lot of guys do. We're not no, honest. In Wisconsin, man, 100 yards. That's that's what you, you want to you want to know you're accurate right there, you know. And and with in with a, a 30 cal type round, that, that you know at 100 yards, you know it, it was it 36 yards. It equals 300, or you know, but 100 yards is perfect. So how do you know? Now we're starting to hear some of this. Uh, I think some of your current work knowledge coming out, like you know, the story kind of left off in North Carolina, you know, you come up to Wisconsin, you start doing things like what's that old transition like? So, um, so I was, because I was injured, I was, I was hanging out at the schoolhouse and at, at the sniper school. And, um, um, they were, they were doing a lot of, they were doing a lot the last two weeks of some of these more advanced sniper schools, they, they would bring, uh, four militaries and a lot of police guys in. And to show them how we operate and kind of get the verbiage down and say, hey, this is what this is the this is what the you know what's expected of a military sniper. So we'll bring that back to your police department and say, hey, this you know like you you know a lot of police departments have hey, I hunt so I'm their sniper, you know. And um, um, the old the Obama administration they 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 cut all that funding out. And so these police departments and these four militaries were calling the schoolhouse saying, hey, when can we send our guys down? And they're saying, we, we don't have this. We don't, we don't provide that anymore. Um, but a friend of mine that was there says, if you contact John Matter, he might be able to come down and, and, and teach you. He just got out. He, he's retired now. So uh, I'm working at a, at a, at a composite uh, engineering place. And we're, we're, we're doing two things. We're making, we're taking drones apart, making them lighter. And we're making... Um, 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 wind turbines for military applications for for um, the Oshkosh uh, defense. And basically what they would do is these wind turbines would pop up on the back of a man truck and they would be able to, uh, to generate enough energy to run a field hospital. And I, I was stoked on this mission. I was stoked on this company. Very nice people. And, uh, but, but again, I was putting a tie on every day saying, who the fuck am I? You know, I, you know, I'm trying to use big syllable words. I just sound like a goddamn idiot, you know, and I was, I was, I was trying to fake the funk, you know, and, uh, I started getting emails from random police departments saying, Hey, we're, we're giving your name, you know? And, uh, and so I, I, so one day I just responded and said, Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I could do that for you. You know? So I kind of started a company that, that I didn't have, you know? And uh, I, so I started going out and just kind of, you know, teaching these, teaching these sniping classes, the police departments. And, uh, and I met, I met uh, Bob Chapman and Pat Johnson, who are my current partners. Uh, Bob Chapman uh, comes, he, he's a military guy, but he has a police background. And uh, Pat Johnson, uh, he owned a media company and we were hiring him to do all our media for all these, for all these uh, shoots and stuff. And it, it just so just happened. First, he's a great, he's a great human. Second, he knows more about guns than I've ever known. He's forgot more about guns. You know, he's one of those, you know, like, I like guns, but they're they're a fucking tool. You know, yeah. he likes guns because he's weird. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, we all get along. It, it, it was a, it was a perfect dynamic, and we started we started a company called Applied Tactical Training Academy, where we where we went and went and trained these police departments and stuff and and four militaries, and we found a need. We found a need in the in the uh, private sector for corporations doing corporate security, doing a lot of uh, uh, third party walkouts, doing uh, basically walking through and saying, hey, if there was going to be an active shooter, this is how it would look. 
this is what we can do to defend against it, to mentally defend against it, to physically to put defenses up against this. And uh, we, we've switched our, we've switched kind of our, our mission more toward that corporate security because we think there's a bigger, there's a bigger need for it. Unfortunately, right now it's a big need for it. Right. And uh, so we, we want all that corporate security out of a company called uh, Blue Water Security Solutions. You know, so uh, if anyone's listening, if they're in corporate, you know, corporate security thing, we, we can we can set up. You know, we, we, we go from it's turnkey. You know, we 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 talk we teach them how to call the police and how to evacuate properly and what to look for. And we set up team leaders and we set up we set up. Uh, you know, we work we work with different units or different organizations inside the corporation, saying, okay, you are the leaders of your of this extract. If, if on the west side, you guys get attacked, this is where we're going. And uh, we work, sometimes work for a week, sometimes we walk through and give them a, you know, give them a, a 24 hour kind of assessment saying, okay, this is where your soft spots are. And uh, we, we like we like doing it. Bob's very good at it. I enjoy doing it. Uh, we, we have the technology, Pat brings all the cameras and stuff in. So we, we give a good, we give a good full kind of, uh, you know, report back to them. And, uh, and we still do, we still do the tactical training because I, I enjoy it. You know, we actually teach, we, we, we help develop the uh, Girl Scout self-defense and situation awareness program, you know, so, I, yeah. so we work with the Girl Scouts, uh, you know, with, with this COVID West now, but, you know, at, at one point we were doing, you know, three, four classes a month with the Girl Scouts and that, that was my favorite thing to do. And, you know, and, and I do as much self-defense stuff as, as I can, because I, I think there's a, there's a, a need for it, you know, especially with college age girls. You know their their ability to avoid situations. I think is 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 important. You know, so yeah, I, a lot I, of creeps out there. There there's a lot of creeps out there. You know, and, and I think it's as simple as is is presenting yourself as a hard target. We 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 talk about that more than actually your ability to fight because facts are. Yeah. You know, if I if I want someone's wallet, I'm gonna fucking take it. There's not there's not much you're gonna do to stop me other than put me in a situation where I don't feel comfortable taking from them. You know, so we work on that more than anything. And uh, and then uh, we actually. Uh, we started a nonprofit, uh, 501c3, just, just about a year ago, called the First Responder Survivors Fund, where we, um, where we give, um, we give money to the, to the sur surviving family members of, of a first responder that died in the line of duty. You know, within 24 hours, just for logistical reasons. You know, we, being the military, we understand that. You know, you got, you know, if 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 Billy dies, you know, you got to fly in and. You know, Aunt Karen from Tennessee, and you know, and got to feed everybody and stuff, and that that adds up, and insurance to take care of that. So that's our small way of saying, you know, and, you know, that's how we can kind of help financially. And uh, actually, that's how we got involved with um, Sierra Delta. Is we had a big, we had a big, um, we had a big golf tournament, and we raised a good amount of money for our organization. And next year, we're going to actually give that golf tournament to Sierra Delta. We're going to run it, and and Sierra Delta is going to run it with us. And, uh, and I, I think what BJ is doing it, BJ is, is basically, I was saying like, Hey, you know, you need to be able to present yourself as a military guy in the civilian world. I think BJ does a better job than anyone I've ever met at preparing people to become a, a successful civilian. And I want to be involved with that kid in any way. And, uh, and, and I'm on the phone with him at least once a week asking him, Hey, what, you know, what are you doing with this and this and this, and we're going to actually start working together more often now, but but we're, that's how we're going to support Sierra Delta is, is we're going to help them run that golf tournament now, or they're going to help us run it, whatever. And that money is going to go toward a, a military veteran. That is a police officer that, that unfortunately something happens and, and you know, so 
you know, so that that's our way to kind of marry our two. You know, like I said, I, 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 I'm just trying to be involved with BJ because he's such a good, you know, BJ, I don't know if you know Mick, Mick Gillister over there. And they, they got, they got so many good people over there that are, that are good military guys that truly care about military people. And, uh, I love those guys. And, and, you know, and I actually have a service, <clears throat> a, a dog through them, not a service dog. It's a, uh, vice buddy dog that, that, that they call him. You know? He's just a cool ass dog that doesn't chew shit because he's trained well, you know, <laughs> so, you know so, so he's, uh, you know, I think BJ is, he's the most important veteran in the Midwest. And I, I would say bigger, but I don't, I don't know enough organizations on the East coast to the West coast, you know, but, but as far as being influential and far as getting stuff done for veterans, I don't think there's many people that are, that's more important than, than, than BJ again. so he's a good man. Very good man. Yeah. We had the pleasure of having him on the last episode, which, you know, he obviously feels, speaks highly of you as well. So I think that led to that. And <clears throat> you guys are killing me though. Cause you guys are, you, you talk about needing to get good sleep. You guys have cost me hours on YouTube watching shit that you guys are doing. Like, <laughs> right. like I try, I try to intentionally come in a little blind on some of these episodes so that I don't hog the whole conversation. Just, you know, talk right. about how cool you are. Um, but it, there's some rabbit holes I get stuck down and I'm just like, all of a sudden I bring him on and like right before I was like, dude, you're on Letterman. He's like, and Leno or and yeah. family or something i was like what and we're and giving away start- a jeep this weekend and we'll be <laughs> right, like, right what so, george, bush, george bush drew his portrait yeah yeah george bush painted me <laughs> twice i think actually right right he's cool as shit man. i don't think yeah. i said it on the podcast but when i met him i was just like yeah did you tell him yeah paint me like one of them french girls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably get a laugh out of it right? I'm, I'm not he's, he's, a, he's a little bit better looking at his portrait than his real life <laughs> They fudge it a little bit, you know. I yeah, see, you I, know, president had to take some liberties here and there. <laughs> That's why I love the Instagram filter. It's man, right? right. All good. Well, no, uh, so, so BJ's doing cool stuff. Uh, you've been able to pivot and do some nonprofit work. The thing I like about what you're doing with that first responder uh, fund. I apologize. For, I'm going to have you say it again so we can get it right. But um, you know, like the FBI and a lot of local agencies have victim advocates, and they do have money set aside for some of that stuff, but. I think what te- what veterans Uh-oh. tend to get frustrated about, um, and we'll take a pause till John can get back on. We'll have to edit it back. Oh, so John is still with us. Um, so one of the things about those those pools of money that I've learned and can frustrate veterans is how slow the process is right. when you have to involve the government and right. whatever right. fair. You know, sometimes I want government to intentionally move slow, and so right. th- but this is not one of those times. And being able to act action onto something really quickly, you know, like you said, that first 24 hours and, and put some cash in people's pockets and get them coping with what just, you know, they just had to happen to me. That's awesome. That's like, that's how team Rubicon started. Like, I don't know if you'd serve with Jake Wood. He was a sniper guy. He might've come through your schoolhouse at some point. Um, but he was a, a, a Marine vet sniper did the whole, he played football at Wisconsin. Um, right. And so, you know, then he gets out, he can't figure out what to do. He goes to Haiti and, and bam, all of a sudden now Team Rubicon is the most, the, one of the biggest disaster response organizations in the U.S., right. if not the world. And it's right. all because he just, he got a little annoyed that everybody else was moving too slow. And when I, I think veterans, that's where the impatience can be beneficial is that sure, we can sit and we can wait, but at the same time, we can get really frustrated when we see things move too slowly. And that's caused people to have to create things that didn't exist before. And so, you know, when I hear you share about that, I haven't heard of any other, anything else that can move as quickly as I think what you're able to move. And, you know, I hope you guys um, continue to kind of uh, pile up the cash to support people. Yep. And, 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 we're, and we're doing good. And, and again, that's uh, the first responder survivors fund. You know, and we do as much as we can 
uh, for, you know, for, you know, we don't care if you're a, a, a EMT, firefighter, police, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, we understand the importance of hey, hey, someone just showing up, giving you a hug, saying, hey, man, you know, this isn't much, but just 5,000 hours might get your, you know, might get your, you know, someone flown in or at least, you know, we cater your next bunch when there's 50 people boarding at your house. You don't, you know, you don't need to be flipping burgers and making, making ham sandwiches for people during this, during this time. And uh, it's, it's a little, but I, but I think it, uh, it, it's, it's needed. And, you know, without getting into politics, I'm a, you know, I'm a capitalist, man. They try to keep the government out of shit. And, 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 you know, you, you find a need for something, you, you know, you go get it done. And, and, uh, and, 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 I'm, this that's something I'm proud of, and it, it, it's it's something that all three of us, uh, all all three of the guys that that you know Pat and Bob that own uh, the Blue Water with with me that 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 we're very passionate about, and and what we BJ seeing our passion, and 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 you know he said, hey man, let's you know let's see if we can work together on that, you know. So and again, that that's why BJ so impressive. He he sees he sees cool shit, and then he he finds a good way to incorporate himself and incorporate other impressive people into these ideas. And it, it, it becomes, you know, kind of like your more sale group, you know, it's just becomes a bunch of like-minded people just doing cool shit together, you know? So. And it goes beyond each, every, everybody out there trying to be, I mean, you've got a team doing it, but like how much more is it lifted when you continue to start to build, you know, bring in some of these highly defined specialists, you know, you look at top tier military folks are all defined by these heavily specialized, you know, individuals. And when they come together, that's, that's where the strength is, is when this particular puzzle is assembled and right. for you guys to be able to reach out and kind of uh, organize and, and do something like that, it, you know, it's the rising tide that's going to lift all the boats. What well, is, you know, and, and, and it, and that's another military thing. If you can sit back and say, this is my sphere of influence. This is, this is who I have. You know, you know, I always say like jokingly, you know, by the time you're 40, you should have a guy for that. Like if your tires are fucked up, you should know, you know, hey, I have a guy for that. Or if your doorbell doesn't work, I got a guy for that. You know, if your toilet's clogged, you know. So in the military, you should have a guy for, you know, this tragedy. You should have a guy for, you know, hey, this is Team Rubicon. This is this is how I know these guys are, you know, hey, this is the Fire Dive podcast. This is how this is how this is what they've done for this person. I'm going to give you his email and I, I guarantee he can put you in front of the right person, you know, and, and, you know, I, I hope that I'm that person for somebody. I hope, I hope that if someone said, Hey, I just don't know how to write a resume. Oh, I got a guy for that. His name is John matter. Give him an email, you know, or, you know, Hey, you know, or, or I'm having trouble. I think I need a service dog. I don't really know. Well, I got a guy for that BJ, you know, or, or, you know, or, or Mick Gillis or, or, or the guy right in your area, Tim Osage, massively impressive person that, that does cool shit for a lot of people, he, you know, and he's he a green sniper himself, you know. So, you know, the, the military sphere of influence is is it has the ability to be more impressive than most people's sphere of influence, you know, it, as long as you know how to use it, especially when you know I'm 40 now, you know, my my friends are becoming sergeant majors and colonels and, and people that can make a phone call and get shit done, and it's uh if you know how to utilize that, you can become a, you can become a very helpful person. Well, you can acknowledge how, how that can create efficiencies and nobody in the civilian world is going to lay out that type of framework, right? The military is unique that, that it's got something pretty special created there is like, you know, like you say, through hard work and through communication and, and doing all these different things, putting yourself in different rooms and talking to people and remembering them that's how you get the, the dishwasher replaced at half cost, you know, like, like right. those little things do add up. Yep. Absolutely. Man, that's cool stuff. Um, 
that's a hell of a story, John. I mean, we, we kind of, we, I think we even glossed over a lot of the military stuff, but just hearing about, you know, where you came from, why, why you did what you did, how far you've come and really what you've done with it, what you've been able to, to, and I'm sure we're just at the tip of the iceberg, just, you know, the force multipliers that exist, just, just uh, some of the opportunities you've had and, and now giving back and creating that fund. And uh, I, I don't know, man, I, I'm just happy to get to know you. Well, I appreciate that. Man. Like, like I said, I've, I've been fortunate and, uh, you know, fortunate enough to get to talk to folks like you and, and it's just a shoot to shit with good like-minded people that, that makes my heart feel good. And, you know, and, uh, and I, I, I appreciate you guys. I really do. You know, and, uh, if I can ever do anything for you, you know, please, uh, I'll, I'll be down there, you know, anything you need. And it's, and, and you guys do great things and, and, and you help military people, which is all I really care about, you know? Oh yeah. What I need is a guy who can help me with my call of duty game, man. I tell you what, like I'll go in there with my usual tactics and I just still get lit up, man. Can't take it. Dudes are three sixty, no scoping me off the top of a building. Bro, the, bro, the, the last video game I played was Mike Tyson's punch out. And I suck. <laughs> I get, I get fucked up by bold bull still. I still haven't passed him. So I suck at video games and it drives me. I, I have two brothers, one brother a year younger than me. And we play like uh Contra was the first game that you could like, kill your partner. I beat his ass. Like he's me and him, me and him still have like a kind of a kind of like a hesitant relationship because he remembers when we were ten years old. We beat him up from Contra. I'm like, you fucking killed me, dude. You know, so I can't play video games. I'm not, I'm not mature enough to play video games right now. So. I say that, and he's gonna have the same movie effect like we were talking about earlier. He's try to play Call of Duty and be like, this is fucking right. stupid. I would never jump off this five story building to shoot this guy. Right. Overall, a life, what a weapon life. system did they give me? Why the fuck would I carry that in this environment? That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Oh, I just got an RPG. Apparently, that's cool. Actually, I had a guy approach me about two or three years ago, and he wanted me to recreate games. In in you know, like in the game, you know, this guy moves this far at this pace with this many weapons, and he wanted me to try to do all this stuff to show like how either consistent or inconsistent a game game is, you know, and I, I kind of got interested and we, we went back and forth for a while and he had all these people that, that were going to fund this and, and uh, it, it kind of fell apart, but I thought that would have been kind of cool, you know, though, yeah. like, uh, you know, just get out. He wanted me to go out in the woods and this, you know, hey, move, you know, move three clicks and take a shot and, and, you know, fight this guy and blow this car up. I'm like, fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Well, yeah. you're paying for this, right? You said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, right. cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm there. And that's what I imagine. Think he he that realized how was going to be. He's like, nah, it's not going to be a thing anymore. That <laughs> combined with the virtual reality experience, like John comes in for from traveling and stuff like that. And he sees one of his kids with the thing over his eyes, low crawling <laughs> on the floor with the right. stick. And it's like, no, Dana, this you'd be happy. I'm I'm going to move a uh, hundred meters today. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh man, the world is weird. I always like to bring up Call of Duty because like I don't play it that often, but then comes like March, all my hunting season's done. Turkey hasn't quite picked up yet and I'm right. dying. It's too cold outside still. And so I'm like, all right, we'll fire up the old machine and see what happens. Yeah. And then I get waxed by a bunch of 13 year olds. John and I were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I still got a PlayStation three. And now the PlayStation five is coming out. Like I, I'm, I feel like I could do well if I bought it, but I'm like, I'm so far behind at this point that like, everyone knows all the tricks, tips, everything. I just get fucking waxed every time I logged in. I'm more of like, if I'm ever going to play, I just want a single player campaign mode. I can just do my own thing. Like watching a movie. I'm like, I don't need 
to watch a movie with somebody that I don't fucking know over the internet. Like, nope, I'll just watch the movie. I'll enjoy it myself. This is what I'm doing. And I don't want to fucking talk to nobody else. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Right. Right. My whole life is to try to figure out how to fight the progression of becoming Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino or whatever we sit on this porch. It's like, I'm trying not to become that guy. Right. Right. It's like, I've got to subject myself to, uh, to get my ass whooped by a 13 year old across the internet every now yeah and that then. says the most horrible shit you've ever heard but yeah right. i literally sat through war and heard some shit said and this 12 year old is telling me way worse shit than i've ever heard before this kid broke me today yeah he got to me but... <laughs> i'm telling you they got the psyops down <laughs> crazy well shoot let's you know um john real quick just list off um you what you're doing and how folks can find out more about it you know, you've got uh, the first responder fund, you've got Blue Water, you've got ATTA. I don't know if that's still existing, but like, you know, how, yeah, so how we, do people get more interested in what you've got going on? So we still, uh, we, we still operate uh, Applied Technical Training Academy. You can find us at uh, 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 ATTA.USA.com. Um, we have Blue Water Security, which is BWSS.USA.com. And... Uh, you can always find, and, and then we have links to the uh, First Fire Survivors Fund uh, through that. And you can find us on, on, on Facebook, Instagram, and then we have the, we have the websites. Yeah, please reach out if we can do anything for you, you know. And um, we also do a lot of um, speed engagements. You know, I, I, I talk on my military experiences. I, I talk on how, on how I use the military uh, um, operations orders to kind of, kind of, you know, dictate how I become successful in my life. And I, I you know, it's kind of jarheadish and, and belt fed, but it's, it's what I found that, that works for me. And uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, I speak often on, on that. Uh, it's, it's not, it's leadership training. It's not kind of motivational speaking, but it's, you know, I, I hope people get excited, you know, when I, when I do these speeches. Um, other than that, man, that's, that's it. So BWSS, Blue Water Security Solutions and, uh, and, um, uh, what you call the first response survivors fund oh yeah i'm sure adam can find the links too and put them in the description when it gets posted just yeah please do. please do yeah for sure we're all about you know lifting the community up and so um you know i'll thank you again john i really appreciate you giving us uh your time today um you know i know that time is valuable for you and that uh i can't thank you enough for coming on the show i hope that i hope that you continue to inspire and and it's nice to be connected and uh keep kicking ass man very much appreciated. Like I said, I, I meant that. If you need something, you let me know. And uh, I consider you guys friends. So looking forward to seeing you guys in person and, and talking to you soon. Oh, yeah. And I, I will get those pictures. I sent them in that email. I don't know why it's not opening up for you, but I'll resend those uh, ones I got of you and Zool. I'm going to say that's 95% my fault because I don't really, you know, I, I, it, you even sent me like how to break down in, in like, a, like a dummy, like you like screenshot and everything. And I still screwed it up. So I'm going to blame you for now because it makes me feel better, but I'm sure that's it's all right. I tried to do it Barney style for you. <laughs> and I still failed. So. Well, Gentlemen, cool. thank yeah, you so much. Fresh. You're, you're still in the fight. You're just in a different fight now. And it's, it's, it's fun to see the way that you've decided to, uh, you know, to use your violence of action in a unique way. I appreciate that. And I, and I agree. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Fight or die, man. All right, man. Thank you guys.